I believe we have recorded 143 episodes of Hall of Songs. Does that sound close to right? Yeah, that makes sense, right? We've done uh, however many... Main 60 episodes. main episodes, 60 of those. 60, okay, I was going to say 65, but yeah, obviously it was 60. So 60, and then, you know, all, and then a results episode for not quite everyone, but most of those, plus bonuses. Plus bonuses, VCs and That's a lot there. more, vo- oh yeah, I forgot about the V, yeah, so the VC, that yeah. makes sense, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. I think it's 143. We have nominated, how many, do you know how many songs without looking? No, I actually looked, I actually counted like just a week or two ago and I forget now. Try to be within like price is right. Try to be within 20 without going over. Uh it's it just it's like there's an odd number because of it. So it's like 727. Oh, you would just be uh under. You'd okay. be you'd be beyond so the So good 20. price is right You then. would you would you would win your showcase probably, but okay. you would not win both showcases. 754. Okay. Nominees. In all songs history, we have probably considered, like, put on the short list somewhere around 2,500 songs. Oh, I'd say more than that. You think? Yeah, I do. Don't you think it's like at least two or three times the number? Like, I mean, three or four times, especially in later years. I mean, it goes like four or five columns to the right, that spreadsheet. It does go through. People people understand that yeah. too. When they, well, they, they don't, they, but I mean, I would guess it's between, I would guess it's between four and 5,000. <laughs> I was just thinking because in those early days we didn't nom- we didn't shortlist a lot of songs, so that's true. So I, I, was, I was being, be, yeah, maybe maybe more toward maybe like three to four thousand somewhere around there. Nevertheless, a lot of songs. I believe we have tackled every song in history that has needed to be tackled. I don't think we have missed a song. Well, I guess it depends on what you mean by miss a song, but. I, I don't think there's been a song that's like slipped by us that it was like, yeah, I think like no. either we've, oh. we've thought about it and we've, you know, decided that it didn't quite work or for whatever yeah. reason. I mean, I mean, I, th- I think the ones that we've considered over time, we haven't forgotten one. There's not one that has slipped our mind. There's not one that we didn't put down as like a possibility. I think we have honestly and truly done the greatest job ever of considering <laughs> songs to be the greatest ever. Pat on the back for us. That's right. Pat on the back. Pat on the back. That's it. That's all we got. <laughs> this is the final episode of Hall of Songs. Welcome, music lovers and loyal listeners, to Hall of Songs, the podcast in which two men have attempted to determine the greatest songs of all time. I am Tim Malcolm. I am Chris Jones. Are you are you at all sentimental about this? I, I'm very sentimental about this. Are, are you? I am you sentimental. Care? No, I am. I'm very sentimental. Okay. 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 I actually got some. So I got. Uh, this will be a good time. I got. You know, we have a very loyal listener in uh, Southwest London who occasionally, uh, you know taunts us on the Facebook page or various places, but he sent 
uh, a text message the other night, basically just thanking us for doing this and saying he doesn't know what he's going to uh, listen to while he walks the dog in the morning and not his way to and from work and things like that. So despite his occasional, uh, you know, chastising of our choices and things like that, he is going to miss us. And uh, that, that, that definitely made me sentimental was getting the message from him because he said it was like a heartfelt thank you for doing this. Well, there's always Bansplain or any, <laughs> any number of Spotify original podcasts that make any money at all, any of those would be great. You could do That's any true. of those, any of those. This is a labor of love, labor not of a money making venture. This is, you're damn right. This is a this is a money losing venture, but it's been a great <laughs> money losing venture. Let me put it that way. This is it. The last one, the last Hall of Songs. I mean, yes, we could come back in like a year and be like, we're going to do 2011 really quick. And we, who knows? We'll see. Uh, it's not like Chris and I are not going to be friends anymore. So you know, we'll still yeah, be... keep us in your feed. Something will pop up. I would think yeah, I'm sure something will pop up. Never. This is the last one though, for the sake of saying it's the last one. Uh, it's good to put a bow on it all. So here we are the last hall of songs. We are not going to nominate songs. We are not going to give you results of any elections. We're just going to talk for the next, however long about the podcast, about the songs, the nominees, the inductees, the whole shebang. The whole, the whole Joe Diffie of it all, if you may. Oh, good throwback to episode one. Yeah, episode one was fun. We're gonna do, <laughs> okay, here we go. Starting with episode one. So <laughs> we had six songs nominated for that. No. Um, yeah, so I mean, let, let's, but let's talk about, I guess, how this all happened. So you, you, So you responded to a tweet of mine. That's how this all started. Yeah, I mean, I guess we were, there was a group of people who were on social media during the WXPN uh, 2020 Greatest Songs of All Time, which was, you know, I would say it was the most active social presence for any of the countdowns or anything like that that they've done, largely because of COVID. And, you know, in Philly, I mean, nobody was vaccinated yet when that was going on. And it was like, you know, people were just sitting at home listening to the radio. So it was very easy to jump on. So I feel like there were people who were just like listening to that you know, almost nonstop and commenting on it. And it was like, I slept, but when I was awake, I was listening to it. And, you know, even if I wasn't commenting, following on Twitter and, and uh, you know, you posted I, something that said you had an idea about doing something about the greatest songs ever. And I replied publicly me, too. So the tweet leaves, uh, lives in infamy. Let me just also say that after the, po- the countdown was over, uh, one of the gentlemen who was on Twitter with us all chiming in once in a while was doing data collection the entire time and right. put out a spreadsheet uh, of who tweeted the most during the countdown. <laughs> and who do you think tweeted the most more than I'm like sure 30%, that was you. More, yes. <laughs> more than anybody else. Yeah, did you, and the I, only question is, did you actually outtweet the WXPN main feed? You probably I, did. But. I think, yeah, I think uh, I did. Yeah. Uh, and, and I remember looking at that spreadsheet and going, Oh God, I can't do it. Like, this is not good. This is not good. But I put out a tweet, you know, so I had this idea that I had actually been formulating for a couple of years by that point, which was, God, you know, I would love to do a podcast or something like that, that really dove into what the greatest songs were, but not just do like a list, not just do what everybody else does, but kind of really dissect and go through year by year and try to figure it out like a hall of fame, like the baseball hall of fame does where you, you know, whoever's eligible in the year that you get to, you have the list of names there and there's, uh, you know, you talk about those names, you break it down, you give the vital stats, whatever it is, and then you leave it up to the voters to say, these are the best. These are the ones that actually belong in the Pantheon. 
And so I had that idea for a long time. I actually started building out spreadsheets. And when the 2020 countdown happened and it was all about the greatest songs ever, we all had these very, you know, very sharp opinions about what XPN listeners thought the greatest songs of all time were. Obviously, you know, Chris did not like the top, well, number two at least, which was Imagine by John Lennon. Uh, I did not like number one, Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen, which is, I mean, a great song, right? We nominated it, whatever, but still not the greatest song ever. Whatever, XPN has its own listenership and it's very Philadelphia, very Springsteen-esque, whatever. The point being, we had this very heated, spirited conversation about it during the entire countdown. And I realized that there were a bunch of these people who had the same ideas as I did about greatest songs and what could it be and da-da-da-da-da. And that's when I put the tweet out. And you answered the tweet publicly, as you said. And it was basically, if I had this idea of doing a podcast about the greatest songs ever, who would be interested? And you said yes. But we knew each other before. I mean, we kind of like rolled in similar circles before that. Yes. Yeah. We had exchanged messages even, uh, you know, going back to the Yacht Rock days, but still uh, the, the, the days of Beyond Yacht Rock. And then certainly uh, we're, we're listening at similar times without a doubt to, to the XPN countdown. And, uh, you know, you comment a lot more than me, but we are certainly commenting on the same types of issues that were coming up. We wanted to do this and, and we started literally like three years ago, almost to the day that we're doing this right now. Why did we do this, Chris? Like what, what was sort of, <laughs> what's your, what's your definition of yeah. why, we, why we did this whole thing? Well, I, I mean, I think that the XBN uh, 2020 greatest songs countdown was a really great launching point because it was kind of this idea of, I mean, you, you, like you joked about imagine, but it was like, if you would have asked us to name the top 20 songs on that, the day before they came out, you and I probably could have gotten 15 of them. Right. And we, and like more to the point is like, we could have gotten somewhere of like 80 of the top 100, maybe like, but we also like it more than it's like, we would have known exactly where they were coming from. Right. They were all going to come from a certain sort of era. They were a certain type of artist. And to, to be fair, that is absolutely fine for like WXPN because it's got, you know, there is a listenership that likes that. But then if you go like Sirius XM's classic rock countdown, uh, you know, even like the Rolling Stone top 500, which I think did a lot better job its last iteration, but like all those things, it was like, there was all this overlap between the top 20, but what would happen then is that it made it seem like there was this, like these eras of songs that were somehow lesser, you know, like I think both of us probably latched onto the eighties as one that was just sort of, you know, forgotten and all of that stuff, but also even like the fifties. Uh, and then let alone some certain, you know, like late seventies even. And it's like, there, it was like, there's this idea that like all great music came out from like, you know, 1967 to 1977 or something like that. And, you know, so what I liked about your idea here and the approach of it was that we were still able to talk about all of those songs, but then do other ones. And it wasn't a case. It was like when we were talking about, you know, Mac the knife and wake up little Susie, they weren't getting, you know, bumped down to the bottom by, you know, purple haze and, uh, you know, Layla and Stairway to Heaven and some of the ones that had like that are just always there. So it was a way of giving due to all those while also, uh, you know, just saying that all the other ones are great. And that's why I like the fact that it's like, you know, we have what the 129 songs in the Hall of Songs and uh, it's like, but they're not ranked. Right. So it's yeah. like, you know, Dancing on My Own is just sitting there with sitting on the dock of the bay. So uh, because you referenced the top 20 of the XPN 2020, 19 of those 20 
were released between 1965 and 19 what 75 i believe that's that's incredible it's just incredible can you chris name as many as you possibly can of those 20 like like just rifle them off real quick what do you think the top 20 are oh of the xpn the 20 best songs like so the the last one yeah um so while thunder road was number one would think imagine was number two blowing in the wind was that three no blowing in the wind is not in the top 20 really oh uh uh times they are changing no there's a dylan one oh like a rolling stone sorry yes yeah like a rolling stone um let's see there is i know there's only like i think there's only one song that involves a woman artist Mm-hmm. and it's Not angel two, from two. montgomery okay angel from montgomery the duet version is there yep yep that was like number 16 with or john, something with like john that. prine yep yep with john prine um bonnie Raitt and john prine yes there is oh let's see there's nothing in the 50s i think like i'm pretty sure there's nothing from the 50s and there's nothing from after 77 well, you, well, you mentioned Angel from Montgomery. So every other song's from between 65 and 70, I think, five. Yeah. Okay. Satisfaction. Yeah. Uh, yesterday? No. Or is Hey Jude? Yes. There's another Beatles song, right? Okay. Good hey Vibrations? Jude? Uh, no. Oh, There's another, another Beatles song. Another Beatles song. Um, Day in the Life. Day in the Life. One more, actually. Okay. Uh, Gimme Shelter, I think. Yep, that's in there. Let it be. Uh, no. Oh, that's not the other let it be. What's going on? Uh, yes. Uh, stairway. Yes. I think was to to, to twenty. Was the weight there? Yes. Sitting on the dock of the bay. Nope. No. Was respect? Is that the other one? That's yeah. That's the other female. Okay, so that was the other one by female. Um, Layla is Layla there? Okay. What am I missing? Well, the other ones are Born to Run, obviously. Okay, in, yeah. In My Life was the other Beatles song. Uh, God, yeah. God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Oh, that's interesting. Bohemian Rhapsody. I, I was going to say that because, you know, that was that funny. The last time they did this before, they did the 885 best songs, and then they did the 88 worst songs of all time. Yeah. And Bohemian Rhapsody was like 17 on the first and seven on the second one. There you go. Uh, Tangled Up in Blue, Dylan. Uh, Jungle Land, Bruce Springsteen. So three songs from the same album okay. in the top 20 of all time. And Sympathy for the Devil by the Stones is number 20. So those were the... So did you get all that, right? 20 songs, two by black artists, two that feature women. 19 of the 20 are from 1965 to 1975. That's okay. what So we're I was fighting. going too late because I went to with 67. But yeah, that's that. Okay. Same point. So, th- so, so that's what we're fighting here with Hall of Songs. We were like... That's not the story of music. The story of music is ongoing. It's evolving. It includes so many more women. It includes so many more black artists, so much more all-encompassing. And it's more pop than you think it is. And so that's what we were trying to fight with Hall of Songs. And so we created this podcast and this Hall of Songs to embrace all of the music from the West. I mean, we can't go all the way across the world because we don't know all the music across the world. But we wanted to go with Western music that we would consider rock or pop music you know, Britain, America, Canada, uh, some other parts within. Uh, we we left jazz out of it because just jazz is so vast and the knowledge base that we have is not there. So we didn't want to include it. Uh, we did get very close in a couple times with, with, with like sort of jazz songs, songs that kind of crossed over a little bit more. 
Uh, we tried to stay out of standards. We didn't want to do pop standards because that got really hairy. We did get close to gamma pop standards a couple times. Georgia on my mind was one that kind of sticks out. So does uh, sort of Mac the knife kind of sticks out a little bit. It's more of a pop standard, but we tried really hard to keep it to Western rock pop music from 1951 to 2010. We nominated up to 12 songs in each episode with each year that we did. And we debated, we talked about them and we finally gave it to you, the listener to vote for what you thought was worthy. And through it all you voted. And, and Chris, remember there are thresholds. So one more time, what were the thresholds that we <laughs> gave people for voting for the Hoff songs? I'm laughing at because I was actually looking, you know, the original spreadsheet ballot that you have still had some of the original percentages that you were throwing around. But anyway, they ended up being 66% got you into the Hall of Songs. So two thirds of the vote got you in. Uh, and then uh, if you got less than two thirds, but you got more than 35%, you got to stick around on the ballot uh, until uh, you either got into the Hall of Songs, you went below 35%. So two thirds of the people to cast votes is what the threshold was. And if you were on the ballot for up to 10 turns, well, that's what you got. And if you uh, had, if, if, if you got your 10th and you didn't get in, uh, but you were still on the ballot, you had to be kicked off. So that, that actually happened the 10 and then you're gone. That happened, I think like once or twice, it didn't really happen much. Uh, we did have an instance of a song or maybe even two songs, uh, one song. There was one song that got the 10 and got inducted. There was one song that got the 10 and got thrown off the ballot because it didn't make it. So that's only happened, you know, on those two instances. Uh, some other songs got very close. We will get into some stats in a moment. That'll be a lot of fun to kind of go through uh, some of the cooler numbers of, of the Hall of Songs. Um, but I guess before we uh, get into all that, um, and we'll get into sort of bigger picture stuff at the end and sort of how we thought about this all. But I guess three years ago when we started this thing and we started with the 1950s and a lot of those first episodes were us really learning about songs and sort of teaching ourselves while we were sort of telling you guys, the audience about these songs, uh, that was a whole different experience from maybe like 30 episodes down the line, 40 episodes down the line with a lot of songs we knew and we were just kind of having fun doing it. Um, back then when we were starting this podcast with the 50s. Did you think we would actually get here to the end and we would be able to have like a full list of 129 songs and we'd have this like we'd have playlists and we would have this whole like <laughs> I, under like this this could be this yeah maybe I, it's funny right, you know? yeah no it's wild I like because it definitely felt like at the beginning that it was going to be you know forever before you started getting to you know Eminem and <laughs> like even like Whitney Houston and things like that. But yeah, uh, I mean, and it was just wild to see it all sort of come together. I mean, how fast it kind of went by, right? Where it was like, it's like you were start. it was like, like you said, there were those early rock songs that I think we're learning about. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, we're in the sixties, the whole era that we were just talking about. And then all of a sudden like that's over and we're talking about like disco and then in the eighties, it's like, again, it just, it, it did, you know, it flew by and it's a, it ended up being a really cool list. All right, so we are going to move on to some stats. We'll take a quick break. We'll throw some treats in here, and then we will get into some of the stats be, uh, behind the nominees and the inductees of the Hall of Songs. The 
All right, welcome back to Hall of Songs and the final episode. So I wanted to go over some numbers, some stats to kind of put this all into context a little bit more. Um, so we've nominated a lot of songs. As I said off the top, if you uh, were listening to that, we nominated 754 songs in the history of Hall of Songs. There's only one artist that has had more than 10 nominees. Obviously, they are. Is that for me? <laughs> yes, the Beatles. You, the, the Beatles. Beatles. What they have? They had fourteen, right? Fourteen. The Beatles nominees are "Love Me Do," "Twist and Shout," "She Loves You," "I Want to Hold Your Hand," "Hard Day's Night," "Ticket to Ride," "Yesterday in My Life," "Tomorrow Never Knows," "Eleanor Rigby," "A Day in the Life," "Hey Jude," "Here Comes the Sun," and "Let It Be." So, if you ever wanted to make a list of the fourteen greatest Beatles songs of all time, there you go. Those are the fourteen. There you go. No, you don't have to <laughs> debate that anymore. So who, what? So do you remember the other artists who have at least seven nominees? Um, Elvis. Yep. Stevie Wonder. Yep. Rolling Stones. Yep. One more. Prince. Yes. There you go. So if you wanted to ask the question of who are the greatest artists of all time, it's the Beatles, Elvis, Rolling Stones, Stevie Wonder, and Prince. I, you know, you could debate that. I could debate that for sure. Uh, the artist was six. There are only two of six. Do you know who they are? I know one of them is Kanye. That's that's correct. Yeah, Kanye actually got six. Um, uh, it's not uh, it's not Ray Charles or the Beach Boys, right? It's a woman. Oh, Madonna. Madonna was six, and then the five nominee club. Do you know that one? I know Ray Charles and the Beach Boys were in the five nominee club. That's why I that's was saying that they weren't quite at the six. Two others on the list. Um, similar era. Marvin Gaye. Yep. And an early Hall of Songs favorite. It wasn't Sam Cooke, right? He had four, three, four. Sam Cooke had four inductees. Okay, I don't know. Right after Sam Cooke, right? The they were kind of the 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 artist between Sam Cooke and the Beatles with sort of a oh lot the of Drifters, the Drifters. Yes, the Drifters have five as well. They don't have uh, any in, so they're the top. Are they the top nominee then? Without Kanye. any that are in, oh Kanye, Kanye. Was six. That's right. Yeah, Kanye was six. Uh, you know, and, and that's appropriate, right? It's very appropriate. So a number have four. Uh, I mean, you know, the list includes. I mean, I, I can. There's not that many. Chuck Berry, the Everly Brothers, Sam Cooke, Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, Bruce Springsteen, U two, Janet Jackson, Aaliyah, Outkast, Mariah Carey. Pretty good list there of nominees with uh, four, four nominees, uh, artists with four nominees. Pretty good list. Yeah, and Outcast very cool that they've got four nominees and three that got in. Yeah, and then a whole lot with three and two, and so uh, that list just goes on and on and on. Um, Wait a minute, though. Outcast should have five, right? Outcast is four. Spodioti Dopalicious. I now opened up your spreadsheet. Uh, Miss Jackson, be open. Oh, thank you. Wow. They're in the five nominee club. Thank you. Okay, there was I only like in the list of band like artists to talk about. I was thinking about Outcast and ones that's like I had in my head. Uh, this was one of my notes for much later in this. I was like in my head I had put Outcast. I'd put all their stuff much closer together in time, and so it was really interesting to do this and to have some of their stuff pop up earlier. So that's actually why I was just thinking about Spodiodi Dopalicious because it was uh, 
uh, I was kind of surprised, like how like how long in time that came before Heian. It sort of feels like it's from a different era in a way. This just my interpretation of the situation. Yeah, so there you go. Outcast is in the Five Club with the Drifters, Ray Charles, the Beach Boys, and Marvin Gaye. That's an awesome list. That's an awesome list of five. Yeah, uh, and then the fours, and then three and two, and all that down the line we go. Um, so inductees, we're going to actually talk about all the inductees, well, in some way, in a little bit. But before we do that, just more stats about the inductees. As we said, there are 129 of them. So of the inductees, the highest vote percentage of all time is Patsy Klein. Patsy Klein, crazy. I like 80s. to. Uh, I, I have used this many times to tell my friend. I was actually at a at a meeting a couple weekends ago, and I used that stat to convince people that there's objective proof that Willie Nelson and Patsy Klein combined to write the greatest song of all time. It's arguable. It's arguable. Eighty six point two seven percent. Of our voters, uh, of our votes went to that. Of our voters' votes went to that, I guess. I don't know how you put it. Uh, and then beyond that, the songs with over 80% of the vote, Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones, Mr. Brightside by the Killers, which is just wild to me, Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses, Can't Help Falling in Love by Elvis Presley, Like a Rolling Stone by Dylan, Hey Ya by Outkast, Little Red Corvette by Prince, you Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman by Aretha Franklin, Free Fallen by Tom Petty, and Vogue by Madonna. So those are the ones that got the highest vote percentage. And then there are the ones that got no votes whatsoever, the Zero Votes Club. Chris, do you remember any of the songs that are in the Zero Votes Club? No, I remember. Well, I definitely know that uh, uh, we had one very recently, My Guy's Son, uh, Son in an Empty Room by The Weaker Thans. That's right. Uh, the ones that I was amused by is, uh, definitely bad day. Daniel powder. Yep. Uh, wasn't Israelites Desmond Decker. Cause I was looking at him earlier. That's right. Uh, rock Island line. We've yep. gone over this a couple of times. Uh, uh, corn Adidas. Adidas. I just do actually say it that way. Pop music. Those Pop are the ones I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So there's also hearts of stone. There's work with me. Annie by Hank Ballard and his, uh, what is his midnighters? Is that right? I, I think Ballard that, and his Midnighters, yes. They grateful to give them time. a shout out in their uh, pre-Europe '72 concert. It's actually, I go. believe, uh, uh, what's his name, BB King, who gives them a shout out, but still a tradition unlike any other. Uh, Night Train by uh, who's Night Train? Night Train was Jimmy Forrest. Jimmy Forrest. Right. A lot of train songs in the early era. Yeah, that's right. No matter what, by Badfinger, which uh, just kills me that that got zero votes. Cute without the E, cut from the team by, was it Taking Back Sunday? I believe so. Uh, Pretty Wings by Maxwell, and Around and Around by Ariel Pink's Haunted Graffiti. Then there's the One Vote Club. There's more songs than that. Some of those include My Girls by Animal Collective and Bam Bam by Sister Nancy, which is crazy to me. Uh, Return of the Grievous Angel got one vote. Fire got one vote. 
TSOP by Mother, Father, Sister, Brother got one vote. Uh, mean Old World got a vote. Zebra by Beach House got a vote. So all those in the one vote club. We also had some fun ballot stuff over time. The most songs on a ballot at one time by an artist. So obviously the Beatles were heavily involved in that. They had five songs on the ballot twice. But one other artist did get five songs on the ballot once. And that is... Oh, who else had five songs on the ballot once? It, it obviously wasn't Outcast because they were always in. I don't remember. I saw this one not too long ago. Well, it's, I mean, it's the second most uh, nominees. Of any was it Elvis? Yeah, Elvis. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just, I, our, for some reason, I didn't think it was because I thought he was spread out. In our third election, he had Hound Dog, Don't Be Cruel, That's All Right, Jailhouse House Rock, and All Shook Up on the ballot. Uh, so the Beatles and Elvis also dominate with four songs on the ballot at one time at, at several points. But another artist had four songs on the ballot at once, and that is? It wasn't the Rolling Stones, was it? Or nope. the Beach Boys? Nope. And that was an outcast. Okay, Think later. More than three. Think later. It, was it Prince, was it? Yeah, it was Prince. Okay, I was thinking he was too spread out. But well, because he had... I guess, yeah. Because yeah. of the Veterans Committee. So Kiss... Raspberry Beret, Purple Rain, and When Doves Cry. Um, yeah. I mean, it might not have been the better Veterans Committee, actually, because Kiss came out in 86. Yeah. Beret was 85, and the other two were 84. They were still on the bout. So, you know, they, he had a bunch of great albums in a row there yeah. over, you know, a couple of years there. Um, Madonna yeah. had three songs on the ballot at one time. Stevie Wonder did at one point. The Beach Boys and Rolling Stones had three on the ballot at one time, several points. Roy Orbison had three on the ballot once. The Everly Brothers a couple of times. Hank Williams in the very early days, uh, he had three songs in one episode. Or what? Didn't is that right? Is the first? No, episode. he had two in one episode and then one the next episode. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the first election, uh, we had all those songs on it, and so he was yeah. a part of that. So, yeah, that's right. He had three go. songs on the ballot, but they were from, I think, even two different years. Because I even think that he had uh, fifty-one and fifty-three. Your cheating heart, cold, cold heart, and hey, good looking. Yet you're afraid each thing I do is just some evil scheme. A memory from your lonesome past keeps us so far apart. Why can't I free your doubtful mind and melt your cold, cold heart? The songs with at least t- five turns on the ballot. So a whole lot of those. I, I, I kept track of that. But there's probably too many fives. We'll go with seven. So there are two songs that got ten turns on the ballot. And you probably remember what they are. Because one got in, one did not. Uh, yeah, I know those. It's Freedom 90, which got in, and then 2D Fruity. Yeah, Freedom 90. I do remember in the that last... discussion. Freedom 90 got in its yeah. last time on the ballot, and Tutti Fruity got knocked out its last time on the ballot. Tutti Fruity was on the ballot and sharing time with like the Beatles and Bob Dylan and things like that. It was very much out of place, out of step, and just didn't make it. A couple of songs got eight turns on the ballot. Two of them got in. You Can't Always Get What You Want, and A Natural Woman by Aretha Franklin. Here Comes the Sun had eight turns before it got knocked out. And then the sevens, the ones that got seven turns on the ballot, Wake Up Little Susie. That'll be the day, Buddy Holly and the Crickets. I Can't Go For That by Hall Notes and Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson. It's a fun list. Yeah, it's, I forgot that Hall Notes was on for that long. It's interesting. That was they their only on, nominee, right? 
Uh, that it was their only nominee. Yeah, so they they were on until the the late eighties. Then with that song, so that's that's uh, they, they got. I think I think they actually got knocked out by like the Guns N' Roses election. I'm sure. So some inductee trivia, and this will be the last part of the stats. Um, there are seven years that don't have an inductee from the Hall of Songs. Seven years. I talked about seventy four. They didn't have any inductees. Seventy three didn't have any inductees either. The year before that. Four years from the 50s, 51, 52, 53, 54, our first song that got in is from 55. What is the other year that doesn't have an inductee? There's one other year that doesn't have an inductee. Is there a random year from the 80s? It's a year from the 80s, but it's surprising. Uh, 82? No. Not 84. It is 84. Okay. Which some would argue it's the greatest year of the history of pop music and no, not no yeah. inductees for the whole songs. Yeah. Well, we are going to talk, I think, right about the ones that were on the ballot that didn't get in that we think were snubs. And we should probably give, uh, you know, Chris Malanfi a quick shout out for, uh, I think he will agree with many of the choices, but he has brought up on Twitter when doves cry. Yeah. And uh, we're what we're talking about that. I don't would neither of us pick that. I think I didn't pick it because Prince has a couple songs that got in. We've talked about Prince a lot, and it was so it's more interesting, I think, to talk about some other things. And I think that that was kind of just a a creature of what you said earlier, Prince having four songs on the ballot uh, rather than anything that was sort of a major. So I think there's more interesting snubs perhaps to talk about. But when Doves Cry was pretty surprising. Yeah, really surprising. I mean, even Purple Rain not getting like. Right. Yeah. I mean, and four it, songs on the ballot. It's always going to be hard. The Beatles definitely suffered from that. Yeah. Uh, that 84 one, I was, I was a little surprised Dancing in the Dark didn't do better. It didn't have like a run a little bit. In the yeah, it was there, couple. but it's like, that was one that I thought might get in. You know, it's like Springsteen yeah. is, it's like, that's kind of a song that it's like, even if you don't like Springsteen, I think you like that song. And if you do like Springsteen, you don't have anything against it. So it seems to cross over. Or we're we, like, went, we went with some interesting cuts for 84, too, though, despite it being such a great year. I mean, mixing in, you know, I guess Shaka Khan's not really a deep cut. That's a great one. But like, you know, the Smiths and the replacements and stuff like that. Well, yeah, we. I mean, yeah, we had to vary it up a little bit to have, you know, yeah. not just pop stuff, but like Tina Smooth Turner, Operator should have gotten in. Oh, Smooth Operator. What's Love Got to Do With It was, you know, one of the biggest pop hits of the time. Um, I'm going to now look at 84. What's love got to we... do with it's the year before though. That's cause th- there was Tina Turner, no, but that was no, the no, second no, no. Tina Turner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 84 is, uh, no, what's up? Oh, no, you're right. Okay. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so other 84 songs that we did not put on the list that we didn't nominate, uh, you have like a virgin Madonna, you have the boys of summer and eh, pride. You too. You have Car- a careless whisper. We didn't put on the list. Uh, we did put, wait, we I lobbied pretty hard for Caribbean queen. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great one. Uh, Shout by Tears for Fears was actually late 84, came out late 84. Um, do they know it's Christmas? Well, that, I was going to get there. Uh, Easy Lover, that's a great one. Easy Lover is just, I think that's gotten a lot of uh, a lot of cachet over the years here. Uh, Radio Gaga uh, by Queen. Head Over Heels by the Go-Go's. You're the Best Thing by the Style Council. Uh, so just, you know, Oh Sherry by Steve Perry. Maybe the greatest song of all time. We did not call it that, though. Uh, Material Girl. Some Metallica stuff. I mean, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of really good songs from 84 that we did not put on the list. There you go. Yeah. So 
finally, the, 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 the years with the most inductees. So there are several that have four. They include 1991, which has, of course, smells like Teen Spirit, Alive, and, of course, November Rain. Why not? Losing My Religion. 1990 with Vogue, Nothing Compares to You, et cetera, et cetera. 88, 87, 61, 1964, and 1971 all have four songs in the hall. Chris, there are two years with five songs, and there's one year with six songs. Can you name those three years? <laughs> I know 65 is there. One 65 of those. has five songs, yes. I know that's my my friend wrote a book on the on 1965 and I I remember chatting that the fact that it had a uh, a disproportionate number. And I know that there is a weird year that we did that had a bunch and it is the year that uh it's the Seven Nation Army year. Uh mm-hmm. That's the one that had six because there were a couple of veterans. So 2003. So that's the one with six. That has six. There's one other year that has five. <sighs> Is it 90s? It's it's another one from the 60s. Oh, okay. Then uh, it's not 60. It's not 64 because that was lit. That didn't do that. That was four. Well. That had four. That's what she said. Um I don't know. Got to be. Well, I guess we've talked about almost all of them, right? Then, so it's got to be sixty-seven. Yes, it's sixty-seven. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So we'll get into all that. Uh, all the Hall of Songs after the break. We are going to go through all one hundred and twenty-nine songs. We're not going to talk about all of them, but we're going to run through all of them really quick, so you have an understanding again of what all of the Hall of Songs songs are. Um, but there you go. Those are some stats. And uh, the last thing I wanted to mention because I talked about this off the top is just how many songs by women uh, we had because the narrative for so long is that, oh, the greatest songs of all time are by men. The greatest songs of all time are by white artists. So I I did a quick count and it looks to me that I think we have, it's like 33 songs or 32 songs on the list that are, the women are at least more than half of the artist. So there's a couple I think there's like one or two artists where there's like there's you know two women and one man or something like that or maybe not even I mean I don't even know but it, it's got to be women majority right I think it's 32 and then 36 where there is at least one woman in 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 the artist so the Fuji's count for that Fleetwood Mac counts for that Mazzy Star counts for that and Mamas and the Papas count for that so of the 129 30 you know you could say like 35 or so are women female artists um that's about a quarter is that great no could it be better yes but i feel like we we i feel like we did we got a lot of songs especially later on that i think other lists wouldn't have had Uh, yeah i think that's right and i mean again i'm not gonna pat a this is not to pat ourselves on the back but i do feel like a lot of the there was when you look at it, it's disproportionate towards the later years, which is also disproportionately when people are actually like you know uh, allowing like you know women to release music as solo artists right, and right, things yeah. like that. So it's like I do feel like some of the early votes are skewed, but it, it was you know I think we at least had an assist on that from production companies. Let's put it that way. I mean, we talked about that like in the very early days of Hall of Songs when we had. A woman, Kitty Wells, 
Yeah, Kitty Wells. And we also had Ruth Brown, who was the first woman of R&B. Faye Adams was a nominee early on. Big Mama Thornton early on with her version of Hound Dog. Anita O'Day was in there. That was a funny nominee, Rock and Roll Blues by Anita O'Day. Because uh, it was very, like, sort of standardy and, and, you know, a little bit off, uh, the uh, kind of off-centered there. But, uh, you know, we had Mary Ford early on with Les Paul. So we had some women early on, but obviously it was male dominated because women weren't getting the opportunities to record music and be up front. And then as you get into the sixties, they were then part of the machine, right? You had women singing for Phil Spector. You had some songwriters who were women in the bro building, like, uh, like Carol King. And, and then that would slowly kind of become something into the seventies where you had women who are actually able to record and make their own music and sell cotton with Joni Mitchell, obviously then going into the rock era with Fleetwood Mac and, you know, heart and things like that. And then finally in the eighties is when you get women who are really up front and center, who are really taking command of pop music, uh, Madonna, obviously, you know, into the nineties with Mariah Carey. And then of course it just overflows as you get into the Britney Spears and Beyonce and then the nineties and two thousands and, uh, all these artists, and we've had so many inductees from the 2000s who are women. Most of the inductees from the 2000s, I think, are songs by women. So that's fantastic. Um, so that kind of sums up what we kind of looked at. I mean, the history of music and how women slowly and surely became more and more part of the part of the center of it. And to the point now where at the Grammy Awards this past year, just now, all of the awards that were won on the show were by women. And that was amazing because we're finally at a point where women can actually dominate the pop charts and dominate, you know, what is being talked about as pop music. So uh, finally, after so many decades, we're there. So that's that's great. Um, any last words on on just the sheer volume of the nominees inductees before we get into the actual list of inductees? No, let's go for it. All right. We'll be back in a moment. We will talk about the inductees of the Hall songs. Sitting through the vinyls at the record store Beatles at the Zeppelin, Chuck Berry and Moe searching for the greatest songs around Well, get ready for the best show in town Welcome back. We're going to talk about the actual Hall of Songs. There are 129 songs in the Hall of Songs. So what I did, Chris, I decided to do something really stupid and me, and I broke up all the inductees into eras. I figure we can each take turns saying what the songs are from each era, and then if we want to give our thoughts on any of the songs really quick, we can do that. Sound good? Okay. So I'll start with songs from the first era, which is the early rock and roll era. That's what I'm calling it, at least. Early days of all of songs, we were really kind of talking about the first couple of years, how we were getting to rock and roll with some of those early rockabilly, blues, R&B, country. They were all starting to like come together slowly. And then kind of 54, 55 is when it really kind of comes together. And you start to hear what rock and roll is going to start becoming. So the songs that made it into the hall from that era are Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and his Comets, Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis Presley, Great Balls of Fire by Jerry Lee Lewis, You Send Me by Sam Cooke, 
Johnny B. Good by Chuck Perry and Good Golly Miss Molly by Little Richard. Thoughts on this? Uh, that's basically the first class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame plus uh, Bill Haley. Makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, we did a great job. <laughs> what do you think about, I mean, Rock Around the Clock as the first one? I, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, there's parts of me that wishes that some of the stuff from the earlier 50s would have been in, but uh, yeah, it, it yeah. was, I'm glad we talked about it, but it was almost kind of more foundational than anything else. And You Send Me by Sam Cooke was kind of a surprise in some senses, but really great to get that first sort of soul record in there because as we go forward here into the next era and then beyond, you're going to start to hear soul become much more of an influence to the point where it really is informing all of music. That takes us to our second era, which is the early pop rock era. Chris? So we have Shout by the Isley Brothers, What I Say, Ray Charles, Will You Love Me Tomorrow by the Shirelles, At Last by Etta James, Crazy by Patsy Cline, Can't Help Falling in Love, Elvis Presley, Stand By Me by Ben E. King, and Crying by Roy Orbison. The two things that kind of stand out to me from this era, one is how soul music and R&B sort of converge and you get this really up-tempo sweaty kind of R&B with shout what I say, especially the other thing that stands out to me is strings. Most of these songs have strings in them and most of them are very sort of ballady, tender, uh, big sort of dramatic songs, especially as you get toward the early sixties and the Brill building and that kind of stuff. Like these are all like really sort of, emotional records and you kind of get much more emotion in some of these records. Yeah. They almost all of these could have been, you know, from a musical Uh, like they could have been, they sort of have that sort of, you know, uh, potentially overly emotional quality to them, but you know, not so much that it doesn't work. The next era that we have is the Pop Mania era, so 62 to 64, essentially. We have Do You Love Me by The Contours, Blowing in the Wind by Bob Dylan, Be My Baby by The Ronettes, I Want to Hold Your Hand by The Beatles, Dancing in the Street by Martha and the Vandellas, A Change is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke, and The House of the Rising Sun by The Animals. So Do You Love Me was the first of uh, a, a trend that I don't think I picked up until we got into like the mid two thousands, which I'll come back to, but okay. it, it was a surprising song to me, but it was a, yeah. the first of one that was sort of was an outlier, but I think I finally put it all together as we got into the mid two thousands. Okay. I'm ready. To, I, I'm excited to hear this uh, theory uh, draw out here. Uh, I mean, some of these are some of the more famous 60s songs. I mean, blowing in the wind, be my baby. I want to hold your hand. Change is going to come. These are, 
capital S standards of their time. House of the Rising Sun is a really cool one to get in because it does really kind of bring in that garage rock sort of sensibility and just some of the more sinister parts of rock and roll that are going to creep in, especially in the next era. And Dancing in the Street, man, God, what a record that is. We had the first Motown record in Do You Love Me. The second one is Dancing in the Street, which really does start to capture what Motown's all about. And that's a combination of fun party atmosphere making you feel good but also there's an element of social commentary in it and an element of sort of darkness sort of brooding in the background if you listen to that record it is there and it's it's one of my favorite records of that of the 60s for that reason just it's such a great record so again really good group of songs here Which then brings us, Chris, to the pop mastery era. So here we're getting into those, uh, uh, the ones that dominated the WXP, unless we talked about Satisfaction, also known as I Can't Get No Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones, Like a Rolling Stone, Bob Dylan, California Dreamin' by the Mamas and Papas, Yesterday by the Beatles, My Girl by the Temptations, Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys, and For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield. Again, indelible records here. Like a Rolling Stone is obviously an epic. Satisfaction is an epic. Yesterday is an all-timer. My Girl, Good Vibrations, God Only Knows. Just like great pop records. I call it the pop mastery era because this is when artists were really learning how to use the studio to their uh, greatest effect. Uh, at the time, at least. And, you know, you had the influences from Barry Gordy and Motown, who's doing really interesting things, trying things out, combining different styles. And then the Beatles were starting to take that and sort of bring it to their own. The Beach Boys were doing that. Brian Wilson, obviously, in the studio. Bob Dylan going electric, getting rid of the folk music. And then you have a song like For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield, which is sort of an early classic rock staple that is mastering the harmonies, mastering the interplay of instruments, mastering just like the different sort of uh, textures of what can make a song powerful and how it can bring in social commentary, but also be a long lasting song. And you're going to hear something like that, like texture is something I used to sort of describe guns and roses in the eighties. And for what it's worth is sort of the beginning of that, where you get all these different sort of instrumental textures that inform the record. Well, I, the, my big thing from that list is that my girl took too long to get in. Uh, yes. And, you know, it was, it made like, it's interesting that the Beach Boys only had two inductees and they both were like, you know, back to back. For that's what true. it's worth I, is the biggest surprise from that list, I think. But that's, yeah. you know, that's still not a shocker. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings us to the heavy pop era of the late sixties. We have purple haze by the Jimi Hendrix experience, brown eyed girl by Van Morrison respect by Aretha Franklin. You make me feel like a natural woman by Aretha Franklin light my fire by the doors. I heard it through the grapevine by Marvin Gaye, the weight by the band and sitting on the dock of the bay by Otis Redding. That's a pretty solid list right there. 
Those are good songs, right? Those are, those are really good songs. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? Uh, Dave Mills had uh, Heard It Through the Grapevine as the number one song when he did his, uh, uh, of all time, when he did his list, but that was like 25 years ago. So glad that one got in. That was, uh, uh, it, still, it, like, it still holds up so well. Light My Fire was the first time I said to the voters, it's not getting in immediately. I'm not going with the golden vote there. And, and the voters decided the next time out to put it in. So there you go. Uh, I, you know, I, I think ultimately it belongs. I think it makes sense on this list now with all this. These are songs that are just like, as I said, heavy pop, heavy stuff going on in these records. Purple Haze, obviously heavy for one reason, that just the, the sheer volume of the sound respect and natural woman just like the vocals and and the drama and the soul uh, amazing obviously light my fire has this very heavy sort of instrumental organ sound uh you know we're riffing we're going deeper we're going bigger i heard it through the grapevine is a great social commentary the weight is about america and sort of the struggle to get by and to move on every day and Duck of the Bay. I mean, Otis writing, just incredible, incredible, incredible. Uh, just all kind of makes sense in this era here. These are all the best songs of this era. Absolutely. All right, so we're moving on to uh, what you have labeled the dog days of rock era, which I like. That includes Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. You can't always get what you want by the Rolling Stones. Let It Be by the Beatles. Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Let's Stay Together by Al Green. Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver. And Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Yeah, what's the outlier in this group, Chris? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's interesting. What What's funny to me is, you know, when you look at the WXPN list, there is a dramatic sort of like over-representation of singer-songwriter types, you know, one solo artist singing, playing guitar. I think, and I think this is to the credit, this is not a criticism. I think that for the most part, all of the nominee list and certainly the inductees uh, probably underrepresent those types of artists compared to a lot of, you know, the best of, uh, you know, those best of lists that you're going to see. So, uh, you know, at least there's one. Did you see the, uh, at least there's one. (laughs) Have you watched, so have you watched the, uh, the documentary yet on the, we are the world recording? Not yet. No, you told me about that. I'm I'm because there's a moment where somebody says that like, you know, it's essentially like if this building collapses, John Denver is going to be back on top. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I I think that's in the trailer, but I remember hearing that joke. Uh, you know, these are, yeah, I mean, it's, it feels like there's a hangover in, in, in music, in society, in the world at this point. And so the songs reflect that. Give me shelter. You can't always get what you want. Let it be. The Beatles are dying. You know, this is their last, like, you know, great epic song, although it wasn't the last great epic that they recorded, whatever. Stairway to heaven, just like overlong. What's going on? You know, social change. Let's stay together is a little different, but still that high record sound is very interesting. Uh, and then superstition has this, this very sort of like what's, you know, all these crazy things happening. Just these songs all kind of reflect the era as well and are really cool. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Yeah, there will be answer. Let it be. Let it be, let it be, let it be.
That brings us to the era of Analog Bombast, is what I'm calling it. We have Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. The Boys Are Back in Town by Thin Lizzy. Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Heroes by David Bowie. And Staying Alive by Bee Gees. Yeah, that's a quite a list there. That's into uh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's fun because that's like there's there in a way they have nothing in common. In a way, they are you could make an argument that they are completely uh, all sort of there and over the top in similar ways. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like we talked about the Pink Floyd, where it was interesting is that they they tended to get in or uh, even get nominated for songs that were not necessarily like as emblematic of some of their, you know, their earlier sound and some of the things that have lived on. Well, so, yeah. And well, Pink Floyd's a great album band. Like they are yeah. the great album band. And so <clears throat> they, but they also were able to record two songs, especially that stand alone as these, like any, like you wouldn't know, like if you didn't know Pink Floyd was an album band, you would think like, Oh my God, they are one of the greatest bands of all time for singles or whatever, because these two songs they did are incredible. We'll get to the other one in a second. But these songs are all just like, as you said, big, right? Like like studio, like we're putting a lot of money into this. There's a lot of arrangement. There's a lot of time spent. Um, and there's, you know, this like real effort to make a slick, polished, incredible sound. And then there's Thin Lizzy just like having a fucking blast. And I love that. I love, I love the fact that the boys are back in town, got in in 76, was the only song from that year to get in and just like stood apart. It just stood apart. It was so cool. Yeah, one of my favorite songs on the list. I think if I were going to, you know, if I were doing a draft, that would probably not be my number one, but it would be top two or three. That brings us to the next era, Chris, called Rock's Last Stand. Uh, so the first two are the ones that made my mom very happy. September by Earth, Wind, and Fire, and What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers. A little uh, Yacht Rock throwback. Then we had I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor, London Calling by The Clash, Comfortably Numb, that's the other Pink Floyd one, You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC, Once in a Lifetime by The Talking Heads, and Could You Be Loved by Bob Marley and The Wailers. I feel like I need to meet your mom. Like if September <laughs> and what a full Beliefs were the two that she was most happy about, like that's kind of me too, you know, like I should meet her. Um, yeah. Thoughts on these. It's an, that's an eclectic group. I mean, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I think to see once in a lifetime, get in <clears throat> that doesn't fit in for my uh, sort of theme that I was sort of thinking about. Although, you know, you shook me all night long does. That's the other one that I was surprised to see get in. And it was like, and it got in without like a lot of trouble on the first ballot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I will survive. It took that a couple of years to get in and I was really bashing the door and, and, and yelling at the voters to try to get something disco in. That wasn't a bunch of white dudes from what England via Australia, wherever the hell they're from. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I'm really, I mean, the one storyline we'll get into this, I'm sure in a bit disco, I felt was underrepresented for a bit there during the hall of songs era. And 
I'm glad at least that got in and we had some representation. But at the end of the day, I mean, these are these are all obviously the highlights of this era between 78 and 80. So uh, no, no qualms here. That brings us to the upper 80s era. So I decided to sort of divide the 80s into two almost, uh, where you have sort of this really bright and poppy 80s. And then the second half that we're going to get to a moment is a lot darker. And there's a little bit more sort of mysteriousness and like sort of things are going to happen kind of vibe. But the upper 80s, which are the bright ones, we have Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie, Little Red Corvette by Prince, Billie Jean by Michael Jackson, Time After Time by Cyndi Lauper. Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears, Take on Me by AHA, and Raspberry Beret by Prince. Yeah, so that's where we get the two Prince songs. This is like the era where I listened to more music than, you know, anything else because all I did was sit around listening to cassette tapes and Casey Kasem. Uh, I mean, that's a great group of songs. And those are the ones I think, you know, to me that sort of jump out, uh, you know, going back to the beginning of this episode about like why you know, why we sort of did this is it's like, you wouldn't see Tom time after time show up on, you know, in the top 200 of a lot of these lists. But then when you're sort of, uh, you know, taking a big step back and just looking at 1983, it's a year, it's such a great song. So again, these are all, I mean, it's all just, they were so much fun to talk about great songs. And as far as, you know, sonically, the synthesizer really becomes a main instrument. Keyboards are becoming more prominent. The pop stardom is becoming a big deal. MTV obviously becomes one of the main drivers of pop culture at this moment. And so a lot of these songs have great videos attached to them. Uh, Just, you know, these are some of my favorite songs. I mean, Everybody Wants to Rule the World, as I said, my favorite song of all time. Still to this day, just great list here. So now we have the downer 80s era, as you've called it. Walk This Way by Run DMC, uh, featuring Aerosmith. In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. I Want to Dance with Somebody Who Loves Me by Whitney Houston. And Just Like Heaven by The Cure. I don't know. I, I won't put Just Like Heaven in the downer era. That's such a great song. Oh, I'm, I mean, and I, I don't mean downer I know what you as mean. in... I'm just teasing you. Yeah, there's like a, there's like an inherent edge or darkness to some of these songs, and just like heaven is, I mean, as perfect a song as it gets, right? But there is this sort of like, I mean, it's a cure, right? There's always this like, you know, there's an internal monologue happening while Robert Smith is singing the song. There's, you know, even though this is like the most positive thing he's ever done, like there's there's part of it that's always like it's the cure, you know? Who knows? But Guns and Roses is on here twice. In Your Eyes is a sort of moody, spooky kind of 80s song. Walk This Way, you have the convergence of rap and rock, the first rap song to make Hall of Songs. Should it have been the first rap song is another question. But the edge, the guitar, the sort of raunchiness of it, that's all there. Really, the one that kind of stands out is I Want to Dance with Somebody. 
which is just like an infectious pop masterpiece. And in my opinion, one of the greatest pop songs ever recorded. But uh, I mean, it all fits. You know, this is just an era of like big sounds, big hair and this edginess. And it really works. So that takes us to the conscious pop era, which gets you through the late 80s and 1990. We have Fast Car by Tracy Chapman, Straight Outta Compton by NWA, Cold of Personality by Living Color, Free Fallen by Tom Petty, Fight the Power by Public Enemy, Vogue by Madonna, Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor, Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks, and Freedom 90 by George Michael. Yeah, so 1989, I think, ended up being like one of my favorite parts of this because I think, again, if I was going to do a draft, I would have Free Fallen certainly in my top three or five songs and Fight and fight the Power in my top ten. And I love doing those back-to-back, and then they both got in again together, which I thought was a great sort of, you know, little summary of how you can approach rock music so differently, do two things that are so dramatically different, but then have them both be perfect. So yeah, conscious pop is what I call this, and all the artists here are saying something a little bit bigger. Obviously, Tracy Chapman's Fast Car is about you know this this person who is trying to make it at some point and trying to get out of this life that was sort of granted her. And then you have obviously NWA and Public Enemy and George Michael's Freedom 90 talks about fame and how much that kills somebody. And Nothing Compares to You by Shane O'Connor is this very dark you know love song by Prince, this heartbreak song. Madonna's Vogue is about, you know, the club life and sort of like getting out and breaking free and that kind of thing. And then you have Garth Brooks's Friends in Low Places, which really does feel like the outlier here. But I think actually says a lot about this era and how vast and and how much variety there was on the pop charts and how much that was starting to happen. How there was all these different kinds of sounds. We talked about how I think it was 88 was the episode where every single artist that we had for the first time ever was like a new artist on Hall of Songs, somebody who we didn't cover before, which is really cool. All right, so we can move on to the sound scan era, which is also known as my high school era. Uh, <laughs> Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, Alive by Pearl Jam, November Rain by Guns N' Roses, Losing My Religion by R.E.M., Nothing But a G Thing, Dr. Dre featuring Snoop Dogg, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston, Loser by Beck, and Fade Into You by Mazzy Star. There's like two things happening here. One is this alternative... We, we didn't want to call it grunge as much. We wanted to call it like a like a sort of an edgy rock, sort of a grimy rock, dirty rock sound. And then there's like Whitney Houston and November Rain and these like just giant big productions. Uh, and both are really effective and both are really great. And I think both stand the test of time. I don't think there's a song on here. Fade Into You was the the outlier in some ways, but it really fits. And it's such a such a great pick for the Hall of Songs. Yeah, and Fade Into You fits into my sort of what I think was sort of this running theme of what the one the ones that got in over others. I will say, like, R.E.M. was one of the bands that I, maybe the band that I struggled the most with as far as the way 
you know, that's sort of the approach to this because it's like, I, I, you know, it's like I, you could pull a song from something like automatic for the people and have it be your absolute favorite song and then have it be like, you know, in some estimations, like the sixth best song in the album, like they're such an album band and so many great songs, but some of the songs are buried that it was really hard to, I think it was really hard to approach them because they, we didn't do some early REM songs that are just terrific. Uh, so I was happy to see them get one in uh, and, uh, you know, losing my religion is a great song and it is this, you know, great, you know, it was, it was a hit obviously. So it's the right one to get in in that way but it also i think sort of uh shows how it how hard it was to approach like a band like that that's me in the corner that's me in the spot like losing my religion trying to keep our next era to go through is the consumer boom era, which was when I started to really listen to music at a high level. These are songs that are mostly, you know, this is the era when everybody was buying CDs, essentially. Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley. Wonderwall by Oasis. You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. Criminal by Fiona Apple. Killing Me Softly by Fugees. Wannabe by Spice Girls. Mo Money Mo Problems by Notorious B.I.G. Hypnotized by Notorious B.I.G. and Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. Yeah, another interesting group. I like the fact that we put up on the, I think we put up a poll on Twitter, right? Whether we should nominate Mo Money, Mo Problems or Hypnotize. And then we ended up doing Hypnotize in the uh, Veterans Committee and they both got in. So, um, you know, I think that's right. I think think Biggie probably is deserving of two. Um, But it was, again, like looking at that list of 97, I mean, it was just, it was so jam-packed. Yeah, but this is a really great list of songs, honestly. Like, if you're going to define, like, what is the 90s? What is the mid-90s especially? Like, you're going to list maybe probably all 10 of these songs. I think it's 10 here. Uh, I mean, Gangsta's Paradise, maybe the biggest song of this whole era as far as sales are concerned. Want to Be by the Spice Girls and sort of how how it kicked off that modern pop movement that kind of we saw. Well, not modern pop. I should say the, the, the teen pop movement that we kind of saw into the 2000s. But Wonderwall by Oasis, which has really stood the test of time. Hallelujah, which has been everywhere and anywhere. The B.I.G. songs, Fuji's Killing Me Softly, Fiona Apple's Criminal, maybe the best of all the songs here on this list. And you want to know by Alanis Morissette, which, you know, she could have had three or four nominees from that one album. But the fact that she got one in from that album and it's that one, I think it's the right one. Good for her, belongs, deserves, and all of that. All right, so perhaps ironically, I have ended up with the next group, which is the Millennial Pop Era, mm-hmm. uh, and that would include Baby One More Time by Britney Spears, You Get What You Give by The New Radicals, Doo-Wop That Thing by Ms. Lauren Hill, No Scrubs by TLC, Ms. Jackson by Outkast, B.O.B. by Outkast, Last Night by The Strokes, Work It by Missy Elliott, and Lose Yourself by Eminem. Yeah, so this is when I was in high school. And, uh, this is, this is my high school, like, like summed up in nine songs, essentially like these, these are the ones, um, 
Outcast dominating the era. Britney Spears, obviously, just breaking all the doors down and sort of ushering in the era of teen pop in America for real. TLC's No Scrubs, kind of their crowning achievement, although I would say Waterfalls might actually be their crowning achievement. Uh, Eminem getting on with Lose Yourself, totally worth it. Missy Elliott's work, talking about a game-changing rap record that sort of took everything that we knew before and just flipped it on its ass, and there we go. Uh, and then Miss Lauren Hill, doo-wop, that record, that whole album is just unbelievable. And there's the outlier. I mean, the two outliers of the strokes were last night, which is the beginning of that the the era and the modern garage, the art garage era. And New Radicals, you get what you give, which I mean a perfect pop song. Just a perfect pop song. Yeah, it is. I mean, again, that sort of yeah, you know, there there's sort of these songs that just get in because uh, you know, people love to listen to them, and I'm glad that a lot of these ended up making the list. And that's like that's that is maybe the number one sort of emblematic of all of them. Uh, but there's a lot of them, and there's still some more to come. are some more to come we have the illegal mp3 era that uh, sums up my college years we have mr brightside by the killers hey ya by outcast seven nation army by the white stripes crazy in love by beyonce featuring jay-z toxic by britney spears such great heights by the postal service since you've been gone by kelly clarkson and take me out by franz ferdinand take me out Take me out stands out. I'm sorry. It, it, it's 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 the one that like I don't I don't know. I guess that might be the 128th best song to make the Hall of Songs, but it, whatever. Yeah. Again, this the, I'll get to it here in a minute, but that fits right into my sort of one thing that I I didn't realize until very recently what I think was going on with the voting. But o- other there. other thoughts about these? Uh, really glad to see you know things like such great heights get in. That might be yeah. one that sort of goes against my theory, which I'll get to in a second. Everything else, I think they're like, there's some classics that are there. Uh, I mean, Mr. Brightside is one of those songs that's now just sort of become like something that just defines an era uh, and is, you know, but uh, uh, as this Heya. And again, it's like Heya was kind of one of those like absolute no brainer. So uh, and it was cool to see these things like that, that were that 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 run of Mr. Brightside, Heya, Seven Nation Army, Crazy in Love, all from 2003 all be no brainers, even though it's kind of like this sort of new era of music and toxic getting in. Like it was cool to see how the Beatles got three songs in from like three different eras, essentially that early sixties, that sort of mid sixties. And then that sort of rock hangover era, they got their last one in with let it be. And you had someone like, I don't know, like I think who else got it. There were a couple other artists who, you know, like Elvis got one in from his sort of, mid early to mid period and then one from his mid to late period and then britney getting one in from the beginning of her career when she kind of broke out and everything was like oh my god and then this second chapter of her career which is like i'm reinventing myself as a dance pop star and i'm in control of my shit like i mean it's really cool like toxic is such an amazing record so it belongs yeah i would say the stones and uh sam cook also kind of fit into that Mm -hmm, where they had mm -hmm. different things from different eras of their career
So that brings us to the last pop era. Uh, and that would include uh, songs from 2006 on. So we've got Rehab by Amy Winehouse, Crazy by Gnarls Barkley, Umbrella by Rihanna featuring Jay-Z, Poker Face by Lady Gaga, Single Ladies, Put a Ring on It by Beyonce, Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z, Party in the USA by Mar- Miley Cyrus, Bad Romance by Lady Gaga, Rolling in the Deep by Adele, and song number 129, Dancing on My Own by Robin. Great way to wrap it up. Yeah, I feel like pop music just kind of evaporates after this. I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Pop music is ongoing. It's evolving. But I feel like what we know of as pop music is so different over the past 15 years than what it was even in the 70s and 80s. Like the structure of records is so different. The The way records are built is so different. The way records are sold is so different, even though a lot of ways they are still the same. I mean, ta- you have your Taylor Swifts, you have your Adele's, you have you know your big artists who still do the big things when they get their albums out and things like that. But you have a totally different sort of way of looking at music today than you did even 15 years ago. And when you hear a rolling in the deep or a dancing on my own and sort of how structured they are and how much they sort of fit in this template, it, it really does feel like the end of something. And, and, you know, songs like empire state of mind where you have this big arena rap song, which is like kind of the peak of what rap as we knew it was. And you have bad romance and poker face, which is lady Gaga sort of taking apart pop music into different things and like kind of assembling it into her own image. And, you know, Amy Winehouse is sort of the last great sort of soul star, you know, in history. And, uh, you know, she was even a nostalgia act in some senses. And uh, Party in the USA was this like great teeny bopper song that do you hear teeny bopper songs anymore? Or are they still a thing? I'm not even sure. So, like, it's really interesting to hear, like, all of these kinds of tropes that we have had over time come back in these last couple of years of the Hall of Songs era. And this is it. These are the songs that make it. Yeah, so here's my theory, and I don't think I realized this until, like I said, until later, although I should have realized it going way back. Okay. You know, uh, way up front, you sort of threw out sort of three criteria. It was like popularity, impact, and influence. Yeah. And I think, you know, in my head, I won't put words in your mouth, but at least in my head, I thought there was sort of this vision where what was going to happen is people would listen to the podcast, and then we'd go listen to the playlist. And then they would be like so swayed by our brilliant insight that they would go vote for songs that were, uh, you know, sort of these like really early sort of impactful songs that were driving things. Naturally. And sometimes it's like, you know, you went on a couple of rants, I think, that were sort of not directly on that point, but that were at least sort of, uh, I think, maybe inspired by that. In fact, what I think, and this makes perfect sense, this is in no way rocket science, but it's like when you have a group of people who are voting we we talked about this like i don't believe in guilty pleasures at all but when you're bringing a you know a group of people together they're going to vote for what they like and what i think we should have seen maybe going way back to maybe even like shout by the isley brothers but certainly do you love me is like it's like what the songs that people like are just kind of like the fun ones. And these ones that I think have sort of this reputation that has developed over time, not as being anything that was sort of especially uh, impactful or anything that was like sort of treading new ground, but just things that people really want to go back and listen to. So I think things like, you know, it's like, again, like my head, it would have been great if people were like, Oh yeah, let's go vote for the replacements or, television marquee moon or these things that were leading or even some of those early disco songs that we talked about like 
you know, Love to Love You or some of the early like Giorgio Moroder. But no, it's like the disco songs that got in were the ones that people just put on repeat and listen to all the time. <laughs> and I don't know if we really sort of got that until it was like, like, I think the one that really sort of made it like snap into my brain was Take Me Out, Franz Ferdinand. And then it was like, you know, Party in the USA getting in. And it's like, wait a minute, these aren't guilty pleasures because they're great and people really love to go back and listen to them. But it was much more of a thing where the ones that we're going to cross over, the ones that we're going to get two thirds of the people to vote for them, were going to be the ones that were just fun to listen to and not the ones that were kind of like, you know, groundbreaking in a way. I think, I think that makes sense. I, I think there's like, when you talk about the contours, do you love me? I remember talking about that song and remembering that that was a purposeful thing by Barry Gordy, where he was trying to take, sort of the sound of white rock and roll and black R and B and combine it into one. And he was deliberately trying to do that with that record where it was like, we're going to do a dance song. We're going to make fun of it. It's going to be sort of got this rock sort of howling to it. And it's going to be sort of a fun teen song, but then it's also going to have this R and B sort of backbone to it. And so I think there is something there and it was an influential song in some cases yeah, but, but people right. voted for it because it's in Dirty Dancing. Well, yes. So, so uh, to the other point of that is, yes, people voted for it because like it, it, it stayed in their mind. It's part of the pop canon in some way. But also, I think there isn't actually an influence to it because it just stood by itself. Like Motown is not Do You Love Me. Motown is the Supremes. Motown is the Temptations. It's the Four Tops. It's what it would become. It's not the contours because that was such an outlier. And I think what you're getting to is a good point where like, take me out by Franz Ferdinand. Is this like combination of sort of four on the floor dance and sort of this like nineties Brit pop kind of rock aesthetic and maybe a little bit of glam in there, but it like nothing comes out of it. Like nothing comes out of take me out. Nobody's like, I'm doing Franz Ferdinand. That's what I'm doing now. Like nobody does that. Right. Same thing with Miley Cyrus's party in the USA. Like nobody is doing the, another part, party in the USA. They're just like doing whatever they're doing. Like party in the USA is just like by itself. Or another song that I think probably fits that too is brown eyed girl by Van Morrison that people voted for because it was a great pop song of the moment. Nobody's doing brown eyed girl. Like there's no other brown. I mean, there's some like singer songwriter songs that have a jangling guitar or whatever, but I don't think anybody's influenced by that record. So like, I, I, I hear you. Yeah. Well, that. yeah. And I think maybe another way of putting it too, is like when Van Morrison was making that, he didn't care if anybody was influenced by that. And that's kind of the same thing. Like the point I think you were getting at with the boys are back in town, which is like, they weren't trying to say, like make some sort of statement about rock of the past and where it was going. They were just trying to make a kick-ass song that everybody could, you know, would love. And that's but, what they but, did. But I do think, you know, to back to the central tenets of this whole thing, popularity, impact, influence, those songs are all popular. And those songs all actually have an impact because they are the song that sort of defines that artist for better or for worse. Yeah. I, I think that's right. Co- and again, and I think those are the, the ones I'm sort of alluding to are the ones that are kind of like, the surprising songs that got in like sure. it's like a change is going to come got in because it's great and you talked about like the house of the rising sun and like those have all kinds of they have a lot more going on to them i think it was the ones around the edges it was the ones that was kind of like how did this get in and then it's like when you take a step back you're like wait a minute that's a song that 
however many years it's been, whether it's been 20, whether it's been 40, whether it's been 60, I'm just still going to go back and listen to because I like. And I don't care if it spawned a whole sort of generation of artists that were copycats or if it was like one and done. I just like it. And I mean, you said it, I like the light my fire by the doors is another one that just gets in there. It's like people just go like that song comes on and maybe you hate the doors. Maybe you roll your eyes at Jim Morrison, but enough of our listeners hear that enough. They probably get a wry grin on their face. Like, all right, that's good. And then there's November rain, (laughs) but it fits in perfectly too. Cause it's got that, especially (laughs) if you take in with the video and all of that, right. It's like, it was that sort of, it is the quote unquote guilty yeah. pleasure of no, that sort of It's the watershed of that era, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Sisters are sifting through the vinyls at the record store. The clash black flag misfits remote. I'm ready, ready, ready for my favorite show. Songs podcast, it's time to go. Hollow songs, hollow songs, hollow songs. So that leads us to the next thing. So there are some songs that we nominated that didn't make it that we are really pissed off about, and we want to be pissed off at you, the listener, about those. So I decided like, let's each pick three songs that we thought should have gotten into the hall of songs, but never got close or never got a chance or whatever it is. And let's call out the voters for not putting them in. So, so let's start off, Chris, uh, let's start off with the, we'll go back and forth. So what's the first song that you think should have gotten into the hall, but didn't. Should we go in chronological order at all? Or can we uh, just bump no, what, whatever order we want? We don't care. All right. So of all the ones that are on our list, this is the one that got the closest. I'm going to start with Diana Ross. I'm coming out. Uh, I do think Diana Ross, along with somebody who you might mention, or there are a couple artists who have zero songs in who deserved a song. Uh, you could probably criticize us for maybe picking I'm coming out over some other songs, even from that same era, like upside down and some other stuff. But Diana Ross absolutely deserves one of the disco era songs to be in. Uh, Not only did it go on to be, you know, the, the foundation of Mo money, Mo problems, but it's just like, it's a great song and it involves, you know, another artist who you might talk about is sort of the production. And I don't know, that's one that I think should have gotten in. I think Diana Ross should have one. in. I think that's the song that one did get reasonably close. It's first time on the ballot. And then it dropped off. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm coming out. I mean, that is such a like that opening guitar is just so delicious. God, yeah, perfect, perfect. So I, I, I'll, I'll mention. So the first one I'll mention um, is gonna be. Well, I'll, I'll go with the same era and the song that we all believe. Like me and you both, we're so like beside ourselves, and this is the one that absolutely should get in above all the others. Good times by Chic. 1979. I mean, come on, come on. Like this, this is one of the most influential records ever. Almost like, like not half, but a good percentage of songs that come after good times references, good times in the baseline. It is good times in some way or another songs that like are influenced by good times are then like influences for other songs. Like for instance, good times, is influ- influences all for you by Janet Jackson, which is then the influence for Lizzo's uh, what is it? Uh, 
about damn time, which came out a couple of years ago. So like, it, like it lives on, right? Like I can't like 40% the first time out, 32% the second time out. And then it was off the ballot. Just, just sad. Just yeah. Sad that's criminal. Me. I think yeah. you, uh, me, Chris Malanfi, we are all on board that of all of the songs that have been on the ballot that did not get in. That's the number one, most criminal omission. Absolutely. And, and it checks this, all the boxes. Disco should have gotten better represented at the end of the day. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think I was sort of alluding that the, the Nile Rogers and Sheik did the, uh, they did produce or now Rogers did. I'm coming out. And I think he, I don't know. He didn't play the guitar maybe, but he was part of that. Right. Plus we need a song with yeah. trombone in. Sorry. Jumping backwards. <laughs> What's your next one? Uh, Move On Up by Curtis Mayfield. I think this is that ultimate bridge between sort of that early soul music and then some of the funk stuff that was coming. Uh, I absolutely love Curtis Mayfield. He got nominated a couple times, didn't get anything that's in. This is one of those that it's like, I can't even say I think the song's underrated, uh, although our voters underrated it because I think it pops up a lot of times on Best Of List. But yeah, yeah, that's one I think should have had it. Yeah, I mean, Move On Up is great. Uh, Curtis Mayfield is great. I, it's a shame that Curtis Mayfield didn't get one in at all because we had what? At least we had we had one impression song, right? I think we only did the two. I think we did Curtis Mayfield and the impressions at the, and then Move On Up because I don't think we didn't do anything from the Superfly era. No, we didn't. No, yeah. But, but Curtis is – I mean, I came close to putting one or two other songs um, – Oh, uh, keep on keeping on. I believe I came really close to putting on the list. One of those years. Didn't quite make it though. Um, I will go to, so from 2007, very recent, just missed out last couple ballots, UGK and outcast international players anthem. And you're looking at your list going, this isn't on there. Cause I, I yeah, put it on there the last second. Me. Yeah. I, last second. So international players, anthem, UGK outcast, Maybe the national anthem of the South in rap. Uh, it's a great record about four different points of view about relationships and love and what it means to be a player or not a player or moving on from being a player, that kind of thing. But it's so impactful. The way that it starts is just so different from everything else. And every single rapper on this record, whether it be Andre 3000, Bun B, Pimp C, or Big Boy, they deliver some of their best rhymes ever. And it's just, I mean, I, I, you know, I, it's hard to like, it's nobody's really kind of put together the list of like, what are the greatest 50 or hundred hip hop songs of all time and done it in a way that like really sort of combines both the pop and the, and the message and the, and the social ones. But that really kind of is one of the 50 best. I mean, it's right there. Yeah, I think that's one where I I agree it should be in. It is certainly worthy. I would feel a little bit more sort of uh, passionate about it getting in if it were not for the fact that Outcast had three that got in. It's like I do at least feel like there's some representation there. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's not to say that it shouldn't be in at all, but it's you know it's like a, it's a little bit less uh, you know pressing. Okay, so what else you got? All right, Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Oh, I said this boy. on the 1997 episode. If you didn't vote for this, you have no soul. The majority of our listeners have no soul. 
Uh, you can't listen to this and not think it's just terrific. You called this like the most emblematic song of the 90s. It's a song that's absolutely about everything. There's nobody in the history of the world who has ever listened to this song and not liked it. So everyone who didn't vote for it was lying to themselves. Didn't like Andrew Onnerberger laugh at us for even like going close with that one? Perhaps, but he was wrong yeah. in that case too. And he's not wrong oh, about okay. much, but he's wrong about this one. Sure. It's like, it's absolutely terrific. It should be in. It should have no, been I... the only song to get 100% of the vote. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well. <laughs> You're kind of in your weaker than kind of uh, 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 vibe right now. Is what you're doing. Janet Jackson's together again. Janet Jackson in general, I think, you know, I love Janet Jackson. I've talked about that a bunch of times. She has a number of songs that come very close. Together again is probably her most quintessential probably song. We might get to another one in a second, but together again, at least has the sort of social impact as much as it does have the chart success it what I believe together again was number one hit, but it was also the song that was really a big song just about losing a friend, losing a friend to AIDS, um, and sort of dealing with those traumatic thoughts and trying to put that in perspective and trying to think of the happy things and manages to come up with a really positive, happy song about losing a friend of yours very young. Uh, it's 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 an incredible record, incredible song, and it only lasted for two elections. I really felt it should have gotten there. There are some songs from the mid nineties that got in that I think are worth it, but together again is probably better than some of those. And and so, yeah, Janet, Janet should have had one in, I think in my opinion. Yeah. She's who I was alluding to when I talked about Diana Ross, Diana Ross and Janet Jackson to me are the two biggest uh, omissions. And I would probably put Janet Jackson, number one, Diana Ross, number two. On the other side of that, I wanted to talk about six songs that we should have nominated for the hall of songs. We never did. Uh, these are songs that just didn't even get on our list, and 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 maybe we regret it, whatever. But wanted to talk about six of them. So, Chris, if you want to go in whatever order you want to, to start off. All right, I will kick it off with uh, "I Want You to Want Me" live at Budokan by Cheap Trick. It's a great, that's uh, a great choice. We mentioned that I think in our very first like intro episode. In the and- intro, yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's like there is it is a good song, but there is something about that era, you know, late seventies, early eighties, where there were people who are like there were these live albums that would come out, and um, you know, it's like that is the that is the version that people listen to, and so one, it's a great song no matter what, but two, there's this extra sort of impact I think element to the live version being the one that's become the one that people go back to. I mean, you could say the same thing maybe about Frampton Comes Alive. There's the Bob Marley live version of uh, Redemption Song from Pittsburgh. But like that to me is just sort of the one that stands out. And just, I think we dealt with live music right, which is that we didn't do all too many live songs. And, you know, I would bring it up on Veterans Committee episodes, which I think is the right way to deal with it, not to nominate a ton, but it seems like maybe that could have been one that could have been on the ballot just sort of for that, uh, that kind of impact. 
Well, just looking at the 78 list, that was a really hard one to get in there yeah. for a few reasons. One, that 78 list is full of very optimistic, poppy, happy songs. Two, Cheap Trick's already there with Surrender, which I would argue is probably more, I guess, impactful than I Want You to Want Me is. Um, and there's also The Cars is Just What I Needed. Buzzcocks, Ever Fallen in Love is on there. Rock Lobster's on there. Teenage Kicks is on there. Don't Stop Me Now is on there. Just a number of these like up-tempo sort of not party-ish, but like, you know, just like very bright and and hot rock songs. And so for that to be there, maybe it was a little too much for us. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's it's it 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 certainly should have maybe gotten more consideration than we gave it at the time. What you got? I'll start with uh, from 1961, Hit the Road Jack by Ray Charles. So Ray Charles, we had a couple times. We had two songs from Modern Songs and Country and Western Music. Is that what it's called? Modern Songs and Modern, modern Sounds, modern country sounds and Country Western Music. Yeah. Which we so described as the best, uh, the first album of all time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really the first like purposeful album of all time. Uh, and it's incredible. And we had two songs from that. We had Georgia on my mind. We had what I say, which made the hall of songs hit the road. Jack is maybe his quintessential record written by Percy Mayfield, uh, who was a Louisiana born singer who also wrote a song about, uh, it was called, I don't want to be president from 1974, which obviously was in response to Nixon's Watergate scandal. Very weird. But anyways, um, I mean, everybody always hit the road, Jack, right? It's like, it's part of the American sort of uh, uh, the American culture, the American uh, sort of thread, you know, it's part of that. And so that might've been an oversight on ours, on our end. I think, I think. Yeah. I especially uh, would agree with that after watching the, uh, we are the world documentary and seeing Ray Charles show up and. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, 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 just, he owns that re- recording yeah. for sure. All right, I'm going to go with my next one. This is my number one biggest omission. Oh. Uh, and it is uh, Promised Land by Chuck Berry from 1964. Hmm. I think you could summarize like almost everything that we've talked about in the last 60 years or in 144, 145 episodes based on just this song. Uh, you know, Chuck Berry kind of has this sort of weird thing where he has like this early career with Johnny B. Good, which is in the Hall of Songs. And then he has like, you know, this other stuff that like comes like a little bit later, but is still kind of a throwback. Uh, I here's my token grateful dead mention uh, promised land, I think is the grateful dead's third most played opener. And I think that that's why I never gave this song too much credence until I read the, uh, Chuck Berry biography last summer and, you know, just sort of the lyrics it's about, you know, a guy who's traveling around the country and he's trying to get to, you know, he ends up in LA, which is the promised land, but it's actually really about the civil rights movement. And Chuck Berry was intentionally mentioning places throughout the song uh, that all had sort of important sort of events as part of the civil rights movement. And it's really all about kind of, uh, you know, racism and fighting against, you know, the sort of cultural appropriation that the Grateful Dead would then go on and do for the next like 30 years by playing Promised Land without actually uh, knowing any of kind of that history. Uh, you also could talk about, you know, Chuck Berry and separating the music from the artist and things like that. Uh, and it's like, I love songs that are about songs, you know, songs that are about the music industry. And I kind of think that that's one that uh, had I read the biography before we did our 1964 episode, I probably would have pushed pretty hard to try to get that one in. 
Yeah, I you know it, it's interesting. We didn't. I don't know if we considered that that much. Actually. I don't even think that was on like the short list. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. So that's that could have been an oversight. That maybe that was the one song that we didn't get. Maybe that's the one song out of. 4, yeah, but we're talking about it now. I think it was on at least the medium list. Whatever it was on the list, but whatever. Yeah. If you say I'm going to say Karma Police by Radiohead. Uh, we went back and forth on, I mean, w- w- at Veterans Committee, we were thinking, let it. I was thinking between Let Down and Karma Police. Didn't want to do two Radiohead songs. Let I, I feel bigger about Let, like, let Down is like an all-timer for me. But Karma Police is probably the more well-known Radiohead song. Uh, the second single from OK Computer about middle management, about sort of like screwing, you know, the people who are trying to put you down in the workplace. Uh, I, and I'm a middle manager, so like, screw you. But, you know, it's, it's. I mean, it's been around, it's just a song that like, you hear it and you know what it is. You, you're vibing to it. It's great. I, you cover police is great. I don't know. Thoughts? Yeah, I know. I like Radiohead is another band that I've struggled with a lot during this only because of the way it's really hard to me to pull some of these songs out of the context of the album. Yeah. Uh, we talked to, I'd like, you know, I, talk, I love, I love kid a, and that was one that I got really into after having listened to it a lot, got really back into it, like sort of during the COVID lockdown, but it's like, I don't know. There's things that I don't necessarily want to pull one song out. Uh, so, but I, I, I absolutely cannot say that it's not worthy. It's, it's, I mean, there it's great. And it is, and like you said, we debated a lot, but it was not because we were thinking that one was, you know, worse than the other. It was just picking the best of the best. Sure. What else you got? All right. This is one that I had gone back and forth a lot. I didn't even push back at all. But from 1971, uh, the best year in music, but didn't get any songs in, right? Uh, mm-hmm. American Pie by Don McLean. It I did, think we should have done it. Songs in. It got it songs sorry. in. Sorry, I was thinking 74, but yeah. But uh, 71, the best year in music, was a tough year. Uh, but yeah, we should have done American Pie and let the voters like American Pie is one of those songs that it's like it's so overdone in some ways, but it's also a song that's about kind of being overdone. Uh, it is like every once in a while I come back to it and I'm like I listen to just some of the lyrics of it and it is so funny and clever. And it's like this idea of the marching band being on the field and refusing to like get off what the well, like the second half of the game is supposed to start. Um, but then just sort of this sentiment about like, I knew if I had my chance, I could make the people dance and maybe they'd be happy for a while. And I love it. It's just, it's like, I am now back into a thinking this is a great, great song. I just felt that it really forces itself upon you. You know, that that's kind of what I felt about cats in the cradle, but at the end of the day, cats in the cradle didn't feel so like all revered, you know, to the point where like you got sick of it. But I guess that's it. Like I got sick of American pot. Yeah, but I think it's about that, right? It's about, it is nostalgia, but it's making fun of people for sort of being overly nostalgic about things like American Pie. Would you say it's the Born in the USA of its generation? Um, well, so I don't know. I think Born in the USA is kind of, I think there's some overlap. I think Born in the USA is completely misunderstood by a lot of people. I, 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 think, mean, American, I think American Pie does too. I think American Pie largely is misunderstood, but I also think that there is this, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a good, it, it's a pretty good comparison, because I do think there is this idea that 
you know, again, it's like sort of the old generation fighting for the new generation, uh, fighting against the new generation, and neither one is necessarily right. Um, but it's like you could basically tell the same story of, as American Pie now, and it would be like, you know, me complaining about what my kids are listening to. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's great, and I do think it's a, it has a killer hook. But I there again, there's a, there's a somebody I saw wrote about this little like that little sort of sleight of hand where he talks about Lenin in the Book of Marx, and it is it's like you could listen to it literally as being like you know Vladimir Lenin or John, or Lenin, John Lenin, and it works yeah, either way. Yeah. Uh, it's like it, there's there's just enough cleverness to it that I just think it's a brilliant song. Okay. And next year, if you ask me, I'll probably say, yeah, it's a just saccharine crap. But yeah, there there are a couple like of those like really well known big time songs that we avoided or didn't put on or for some reason like yeah. Amer- and I was saying, like I was actually why I was what I was going to say. I think for the most part, I think we were right for leaving those off. I think this was the one that maybe deserved a little more discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my last one, and this is, I think, I like. I feel to this day kind of upset about it. When I think of you by Janet Jackson, I wanted to bring her back in this because we put nasty on our list in 1985, which is what I think at the end of 85 is when control came out or something like that. I forgot it was, but when I think of you was 85 and (sighs) nasty is sort of the beginning of new Jack swing becoming part of the pop mainstream marketplace when i think of you is just a fucking beautiful single and is a great pop song great pop record from the moment it starts with that keyboard that that note that is hit from the beginning it it's like it is one of the best sounds in the history of pop music in my opinion I, I like, I love hearing it. I, I like once I know what's coming on, I'm, I'm in for it for the next four minutes. It is. It's perfect. It's candy. Perfect. And I should have put it on the list. I decided to go with nasty and we didn't put another song from control on the list. And that was it. I didn't even VC it. I probably should have VC'd it. I don't know. I, I, I like if any Janet song would have gotten in, maybe that would have been the one. Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's right. I mean, that's the problem when you have what seven singles that make the top ten from the same album. Well, that was Rhythm Rhythm Nation, I think. Was oh, Rhythm Nation was it? I Can, thought it was Control that had the like the ridiculous. Well, number. no, well, so Control they had, both had a lot though. Control had Nasty. When I think of you, what have you done for me lately? Uh, maybe Pleasure Principle. I don't know about Control. I don't know if Control maybe Control was a top ten hit. It might have been four or five top ten hits from Control. But so, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, I mean, it it's, was I really mean, tough it's, it's to huge, pick and choose. Huge, from yeah, 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 absolutely. It's tough, but like when I think of you, just so towering. It just, it just, it, it is so towering. Anyways, that's me. That's me. That's where I'm at. So let's move on. Uh, We'll take one more break real quick, and then we'll come back with our final words. Sipping through cassette tapes at the record store. Oh, yeah. The gang 
finish up here on hall of songs our last episode we are going to just share some of our favorite and least favorite podcast memories why not chris we'll start off with our favorite songs to talk about what are some of the favorite songs of yours that we've talked about over the course of the podcast all right so jumping back early i loved when we uh, brought up it wasn't god who made honky talk angels by kitty wells uh we mentioned it earlier but that was one of the first songs where it felt like we were kind of uh you know, doing something that had like an educational element to it and getting into these kind of uh, things that weren't going to pop up at all on, you know, the typical best of list. Uh, personally, like 67, we talked about both Whiter Shade of Pale, which is like my favorite song when I was a kid and just loved being able to do that. And then also Ode to Billy Joe, which was kind of like, you know, at that time an outlier, but one that had a ridiculously weird, uh, good chart history for the time. Uh, and then finally, one of my favorite ones to talk about, because it's one of my favorite songs ever, one I stumped for uh, to get in, but it never actually got all that close, was Come On Eileen. Uh, I just had so much fun talking about that. It was just a blast to, you know, uh, like have these flashbacks to playing that at fraternity parties and things like that. Come On Eileen, I love talking about that, but also producing it, because that episode I was starting to experiment a lot with transitions and things like that. And I remember distinctly transitioning Amarillo by Morning by George Strait, those final strings, into the opening strings of Come On Eileen by Dexy's Midnight Runners, which to me was like a was like a high point of my production. I mean You should be a I DJ. Like, <laughs> oh I yeah, I, I should, really. But I feel like I feel like, you know, we changed a lot as far as production is concerned and, and the sound of the podcast has changed. I mean, I got better recording equipment later on, and so things have been better. The volume, I listened to like the 59 episode earlier, and it was like the volume was like really bad on the songs and not, I mean, it's really weird off, but uh, you know, we've gotten better at it. We've had some fun with it. So that was, a, that was a fun moment for me. My favorite songs to talk about just a couple tell star by the tornadoes from 1962, just that story about uh, the, the leader of, of the tornadoes and sort of how that all came together and his tragic story. I mean, he he was a murderer. I mean, it's just a terrible story. Um, More than a feeling by Boston. I, I, that song has always been part of my consciousness, but like hearing it and researching about it and like, like hearing it over and over again, really made me realize how amazing that record is and how, like how, how kind of, how, how top class it is as far as the production and the, and the arrangement and everything, just a really beautiful recording true by Spandau ballet. I just love true and like love talking about that. And that became one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, and also more than a woman by Aaliyah, you know, we had a lot of great Aaliyah songs on this podcast and more than a woman is maybe my favorite of hers. Uh, just kind of shows like the kind of artist she is and, and how, you know, I mean, she was and how easy she was to like, just sort of like create great pop magic while also just being herself. Uh, so she was, a, she was a highlight for me. Um, least favorite songs to talk about. You You probably have a couple. Yeah, I don't have too much. I mean, I like the songs that I, I don't know, I had more fun talking about songs I don't like, which were few and far between than I think I did about the ones I, I like. I mentioned this a lot. I had, I struggled to talk about Kanye. Uh, I missed sort of the Kanye boom. And then for many reasons, which you went into in your brand the first time we talked about Kanye, uh, I wasn't sort of inspired to go back and listen to his stuff. So 
I don't know. I don't feel like I was sort of equipped to talk about very much of uh, Kanye in the way that I was about some of the other ones, even artists that I was really trying to learn about. Uh, and then I really struggled to talk about U2, I think. U2 was by far the biggest band in the world when I was a kid. Uh, and, you know, Joshua Tree was the biggest album. But I just didn't know really where to put the songs in because there were so many that were so good. But when I went back and listened to them, you know, even compared to songs of the era, my reaction was, well, they were these really kind of straightforward, like I wouldn't even say like arena rock. They were like arena pop songs that didn't quite stand out in the same way. But then it's like yeah. I go back and listen to them and I really like them. So I don't know. I really had a hard time, you know, getting my head around uh, uh, the the best way to approach you two. I feel like you two is the one artist that has been in our lives throughout our entire lives and have been part of us like throughout. And hard to escape and so hard to put in the right context. Um, I mean, I think Madonna maybe is part of that a little bit, but Madonna is easier to put in context because she's, she's talked about was like such like, I don't know. We're able to separate some of the songs of hers from who she is. Whereas you two, it's hard to separate the songs because they are still within their own mythology. So it's just like a little bit harder to kind of like separate those like, okay, here are the songs. So I, I hear you like to me, it was a little hard talking about you two as well, but I not, didn't not like it or whatever. Um, I, the, the ones that I kind of like, like, so the twist by chubby checker, I think is one of the most overrated things ever. Um, obviously it was like this huge number one and this very successful song when it came out and, dominated the charts and then in 1960 and, and then, you know, came back in 61 or whatever the hell it was. And Chubby obviously made his entire life the twist, but is a marginal artist at that, you know, really just like was on stage and sang and performed and isn't even a great singer. He just, you know, he's what he is. And, you know, the twist is just like a thing that like, kind of defines like the pablum of music and sort of the lowest common denominator kind of come to life. Uh, Maybe not in the worst way possible. Like there are other songs that are worse off than that, but the twist doesn't really like do much for me. It just, it just is. It obviously defined the dance era and like every song has to be a dance about something, but you know, I'm glad it didn't make it. I'm glad it like barely even stayed on the bout for that long. Uh, it didn't need to be there. It's just, it's just a thing. It's a fad. It's a fad. Um, and then jokingly, Margaritaville, rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett, and Sunday Night the Room by the Weaker Thens. Just because you didn't give a shit at that point, <laughs> you were just like, I'm putting a song on the list that I like, and 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 fuck this, and like that was your move, and whatever. Maybe that was my Adidas. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe like deep in my consciousness, I was like saying fuck you by putting Adidas on the list. But uh, you were totally doing that with, with the week events. Totally. I, well, I hadn't had a song that I nominated that was on the Zero Vote Club. I didn't want to clog up the ballot. You were just trying to do it. Is that what you were doing? <laughs> Going ultra obscure. Yeah. Okay. Songs and artists that surprised us over the length of the podcast. So uh, it, this is the first one I have on my list is kind of odd, considering he's one of the biggest artists of all time. So that was Elvis. Mm-hmm. It was really fun for me to get back into some of the Elvis stuff. Uh, sure, it was it was great. This could it could have been in the 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 beginning too, is just getting to know Justin Gossman a little bit, go on his yeah, show and yeah, talk about yeah. Elvis and just a blast to have people who love music the way we do, even if they're coming at it from a completely different way. 
And then because of that, he got me into some later Elvis stuff and then going back to listen to these Elvis live specials and even things that we weren't talking about on the show. Like it was kind of this rediscovery of somebody who I used to love. And that was great. Um, You mentioned Aaliyah. I will just say like that was like uh, she was an artist that like I knew of but didn't really, uh, you know, know deeply at the time uh, and was really like just thrilled to go. you know, get, like, like listen to all of her stuff and just sort of see how she sort of fits into history. And that was, you know, really, really enlightening for me. Uh, Erica Badu, who we only talked about once or twice, but it was still like on and on was one of those biggest ones for me where that was like, that list had things like Jamiroquai, Counting Crows, Spice Girls, uh, The Wallflowers, Fiona Apple, artists that I like knew like through and through love fool by the cardigans and like the song that i just went back to re-listen to over and over again we're getting ready for that was on and on by erica badu which was like and like it just sort of fits in this sort of tradition of the blues and soul um and then finally a weird one for me was uh the specific so it was i can see clearly now by johnny nash Mm, but when we started to learn about sort of the fact that it was like like i you know i didn't sort of know the history where he sort of went back and uh you know recorded it in jamaica and sort of like brought in these sort of like this sort of like weird amalgamation of almost like reggae with easy listening and it's yeah. again i don't know if that was a 100 a good surprise although i really enjoyed listening to it but it was really enlightening to me to learn about sort of the the story of that song by the way shout out to justin gossman and gurdeep of the tcb cast for being early champions of us and having us on and, and being on our podcast and all that so thank you guys um, yeah, my, my surprise is the Everly brothers, man, I like, I didn't realize how much they were influential, but also like, they just took what was happening around them and distilled it into their own sort of singer songwritery kind of approach and really were the influence to the beat. They were maybe the major influence of the Beatles, uh, early on in their career, at least. And and wrote some really, I mean, did some really great songs. Uh, All I do is dream. Kathy's clown. Just like you know, we had them on the podcast several times, and they and they were always you know really good songs. Uh, Carly Simon's "You're So Vain" from 1972. I I didn't realize going in. I mean, I had heard that song so many times, but really never listened to it fully. And with the 72 research, like came into it, it was like, holy crap, this is a great song, great record, like just. Well done, well produced. Carly is obviously talented, um, you know, more than what people think it is. Just a really, really 100% great song. Um, Let the Music Play by Shannon from 1981 or 83, excuse me, uh, being one of the first great sort of dance pop recordings and really kind of kicking off the era of freestyle in 1983. Uh, freestyle would really come into its own around 86, 87 and become mainstream in 88 or so, but let the music play is sort of that first big shot and comes out in New York and just really does come out like a shot. We nominated it. I think it lasted maybe one turn on the ballot, but it was still a very important record. Garth Brooks's friends in low places. Like I didn't realize how much I liked that song until I actually heard it in, in the context of this podcast, I had heard it before and was like, Oh God, country, whatever. But Garth is very talented and awesome. And so Friends in Low Places, you know, I would hear it after the podcast. But like, oh, I love this song now. It's great. Uh, and Usher, you know, Usher, who is, by the way, performing the Super Bowl as, as you know, today. Uh, if this comes out on Super Bowl Sunday, he just performed Hands Time Show. 
Usher's stuff is really good. I mean, you remind me we had, which I think is amazing, you know, like modern pop song and one of the better ones of the past several years. Burn and Yeah from the same year, what, 20, 2004, I believe. Uh, both like huge hits. Uh, you know, Usher was just like everywhere for a bit. And, you know, I think is more important than I think people even lead on. I mean, he's halftime show performer, but still, I think, you know, people should give him more credit. So those are my surprises. <laughs> from the podcast you just reminded me of one of my you this is not on the thing of uh, regrets which was you kind of in our the shannon one which was she was 1983 but you were my like 1985 you kind of left it up to me to do like the last one and i ended up doing crush on you by the jets okay and i it's like after thinking about it, like that was one that was such a big moment in my childhood that that's sort of what was like, like what carried the day. But it was like, compare that, like in retrospect, there were probably some other ones, even sort of of the same thing that would have been better, like, you know, uh, Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge, maybe another Whitney Houston one. I don't know. There were some other ones that so, may have been like, that may have been. Or all cried out like or there was there was another Lisa Lisa okay. and Cold Jam right yeah so wonder if I take you home by Lisa Lisa and the Cold Jam that is that eighty five or eighty six maybe and is really sort of the first like great freestyle it was eighty five because it was definitely like that was yeah. one of the last le- ones on the list with Crush on You yeah I think I think I think I even like asked Melanfi about that like yeah. you know should we have had that on there and he was like yeah probably that's really like sort of the first like big you know. Shannon was kind of the beginning of it happening, but like that record was like the one that signaled that this was the new dominant sort of dance pop style uh, in, in mainstream pop. So yeah, I mean, yes, that one. Absolutely. Yeah. Just having a Lisa, Lisa and the cold jam song would have been great. So yeah, yeah. I, you know, over crush on you. Yeah. I mean, crush on you is a great record and Minneapolis sound, all that stuff. <laughs> Um, favorite podcast moments. What are some of your favorite <laughs> podcast moments, Chris? All right, this one we just have to go back and forth about a bunch of fun stuff instead okay, of listing okay. them off. But uh, I'm going to start with our ridiculous ongoing feud with the crew cuts, and yeah, that's the only because feud. well, because it's like if you ever go back and look at the picture of those guys, it's like <laughs> for anyone who didn't listen. So Shaboom. Uh, we nominated Shaboom by the Chords, and this was when, like, it, it, right, in order to sanitize things, they would have like you know the white guy bands record the same songs, and the Crew Cuts are the whitest of the whitest mm-hmm. that you could ever imagine. It's a Canadian band, and they all look like the bad guys in some 1950s version of a 1980s movie. They're all like you know staring you down, and they like Biff's, so, Biff's guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. we just decided, you know, well. By we, I mean me, just decided that we did not like the crew cuts. Uh, and anyway, so that just cracked me up every time we would occasionally reference Canada and then we'd go back to the crew cuts or whatever. They were kind of like our, our they were the, uh, the, the baby with on, one eyebrow from the Simpsons from Maggie. <laughs> um, I'll mention the 1965 episode for two reasons. One, because... The songs on that episode are just unbelievable. We had a number of uh, Hall of Songs inductees from that one. Some of the some of the songs that we nominated from that episode include "Like a Rolling Stone" by Bob Dylan, "Satisfaction" by the Rolling Stones, 
Yesterday by the Beatles, My Girl by the Temptations, In My Life by the Beatles, California Dream by the Mamas and the Papas, like so many huge songs uh, from the 60s right there. Uh, did I just mention that those are, are those six? Oh, In My Life didn't make it. So it's five. That's right. Uh, but My Generation by the Who, Ticket to Ride by the Beatles, My Mr. Tambourine Man by the by Bob Dylan, uh, or by the Birds, it was the Bob Dylan, uh, the, the Birds version, Mr. Tambourine Man. Uh, Louis Louis or not Louis Louis. Uh, I got you by James Brown. Uh, Tracks of my tears by Smokey Robinson, the miracles and Wooly Bully was the <laughs> weird one by Sam Sham. Uh, good old Sam Sham. Um, but also because we were together, that was the one episode that we recorded together in the same place. We were at your house. We had multiple beers. We went to monk's cafe in between recordings and, and had a bunch more beers just a great time. It was really cool to like be able to actually be in the place with you to do all this stuff. It's funny because yeah, I'd like uh, exactly. I love that. And it was like, a, like a few years ago, nobody would have ever thought that like you weren't in the same place while recording something like that. <laughs> and now it's the, uh, it, it's the exception. Um, along those lines, I loved our 1959 episode, which I remember I recorded from the shore. Uh, and we did a last minute substitution where we added come to me softly by the Fleetwoods. Mm. But I felt like that was one where we're really hitting our stride as far as the back and forth talking about songs. There were only two that got in shout got in by the Isley brothers and, uh, what I say by Ray Charles, but the other ones that were just so much fun, El Paso by Marty Robbins, white lightning by George Jones. We had the Mac Bobby the Knife, Darren, which we yeah. both loved, and that was the Bobby Darren one. I only and have Dream Lover, Dream Lover, and too. Dr- yeah, and so so much fun just to talk about that. And then it was like sort of that transition where we had the last one was Money, That's What I Want by Barrett Strong, which was going to yeah. get us into that Motown era. But I felt like that was kind of where we were sort of fitting, you know, hitting our stride a little bit and having fun. Uh, and a little bit of back and forth. And I remember just sort of, I, I don't even remember what we said, but joking around a little bit about the Fleetwoods and then like like the Pacific Northwest and the Fleet Foxes and things like that. It's like <laughs> this sort we, of like we relaxing a little bit. Yeah. 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 But we never, that was like the first dream pop recording. And like now, you know, many, many, many podcasts later, you have like Beach House and yeah. it's the same kind of deal. You know, it's the same thing. Um, on that same note, the 81 episode I thought was a, a big one for us. Um, I mean, we were really hitting it in the late seventies and I had gotten new recording equipment and my production had gotten better and better. And I was finally figuring out the volume and everything and, and the levels. Uh, but by 81, we kind of like hit that really well, but also the set of songs was like so strong and they were songs that we'd love to talk about. Cause we all knew them by heart under pressure, obviously made it to the hall of songs, but you had, I can't go for that by hall notes, Betty Davis eyes, which I love that record. And we both had fun talking about that. Don't You Want Me by the Human League, Super Freak, Every Little Thing She Does is Magic by the Police, um, Tom Sawyer by Rush got there, Controversy by Prince, Dancing With Myself by Billy Idol, which, I mean, talk about a great surprise song that, like, I love so much. Grace Jones was on there. Just, like, really, like, solid list of songs. Plus, we were hitting our stride as far as the podcast and a professional level and, like, having this great sound, having this great sort of banter, like, figuring it all out. And uh, we were getting into that next level, you know, where we were getting into the 80s and we were, you know, all the songs that we were going to get to by that point forward were songs that we do really well and could talk about at a pretty strong level. So that that was a highlight for sure. Yes. And I would also add, which is not actually on the, the list that I have, but was related to that was the 
next veterans committee episode that we did after that oh god with your wife which was when meg came on ostensibly she came on to talk about rick springfield but then we ended up doing like in the air tonight and it definitely we ended ended up being an episode basically about how creepy 38 special is and i was the only one i'm pretty sure well but and sexual healing too like like which a little bit yeah i'm pretty sure that like caught up in you got one vote and it was me and i was like trying to lobby to keep it on the ballot anyway so yeah yeah. (laughs) Um, we nominated a touch of gray for the hall of songs and the veterans committee, which I, which I, it's my favorite grateful dead song. So yeah, <laughs> that was fun. And I was just joking around about how we should have done, like, if we were ever going to do a fish song, it would have been like farmhouse or backwards down the number line, which are the ones that like fish fans hate, uh, you know, the dead touch of gray is, uh, we did talk about ripple actually that same episode that Meg was on. Uh, you know, neither the Grateful Dead nor Fish needs any songs in the Hall of Songs, despite the fact that I bring them up all the time. But uh, you know, I, I, uh, but I they really, have some good songs. I really should have nominated "Still Not a Player" by a Big Punisher in '97. <laughs> I really should have. Like never that happened. was legitimately like. I mean, to me, like uh, I think like if the Grateful Dead had released "American Beauty" in almost any other year uh like ripple would have been something that i might have pushed for or uh uncle john's band but like 1970 was just stacked and it's like what are you gonna do like i mean you know you maybe take off james taylor and replace it with uh like replace fire and rain with something like uncle john's band or ripple that would have been defensible but we talked about the dead enough i remember my wife sarah and i were putting in like this brick walkway in our front yard uh over the weekend of listening to the 70 nominee or the 70 shortlist just to figure out what would get in and we had it on like over and over again and we would get to like uncle john's band and i was like this is never getting anywhere close to being in like what are we doing right now like i'm debating between like the guess who and this like come on let's calm down for a second yeah i think if i were to like again like i you know the grateful dead are probably now my favorite band of all time uh, and there's things that like if i were to have like looked at this if i was going to put one song on a list, it probably would have been Ripple, uh, maybe Box of Rain, and then Uncle John's Band would have been third, and maybe that would have been the thing would have been to take out Fire and Rain or replace it with those. But again, I like that, you know, whatever. But, I'm but, glad we got to talk then, about Ripple, and we got to talk about like Live Dead and that stuff. You know, we t- I talked about uh, uh, you know the Live Dead Suite in the uh, the Veterans Committee episode after 1970, and that's like that's if you're a deadhead, if you're into that, that's more important. Like that's what you know. That but, that's really what the sound is. But then we wouldn't have been able to talk about fire and rain and how James Taylor <laughs> is a little rich boy who got drugged up a bunch of times. He got a whole bunch of second chances. Yeah. You know, like I, I wouldn't have been able to like sort of slide that in that he's gotten a lot of second chances and he's a really lucky guy because he's a <laughs> white upper class boy from Martha's Vineyard who got lucky. Anyways, it's funny though. I, again, going back bitter. to what you said about no, what well, like talking about like the. I mentioned I mentioned this with the John Denver thing though, where it's like there really were there. Yeah, again, I think this was one hundred percent the right choice, but there was not a lot of that sort of like white dude singer songwriter. Yeah, uh, it's like we did that. We did one Warren Zevon song, um, you know, but it was like there's uh, like Graham Parsons doesn't really fit, but kind of does because he's like you know Laurel Canyon and all that. Well, we, but we it's like we didn't, but like we didn't do, yeah. ju- but we like didn't do any. Uh, uh, there was no Carol King, there was no um, uh, Jim Croce, you know, like yeah. some of those artists who are like that. And and again, I mean, you you mentioned Margaritaville, uh, and 
I will just say is like Jimmy Buffett's one of my you know three five favorite artists of all time. Margarita Villas, really? um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he might be number three behind the Dead and the Beatles. I wouldn't like that would be it for me. But I love like I but Margarita Villas kind of a you know middle of the road song. But like what I love about him, what I love about Croce, what I love about them is they like in even James Taylor when he's at his best is they sort of capture this kind of like regionalism, and Margaritaville doesn't really do that in the same way that the best of the Jimmy Buffett songs do. Well, I just want to say that a song I've been listening to a lot lately is your smiling face by James Taylor, which to me is one of the biggest cock blocks in history because it opens with this hard edge guitar and you feel like you're going to get this like really it feels hard like, rock yeah. song. And then it just like becomes this like soft candy ass song, but it's a really good soft candy. ass song. like, it's really good. Like I love it. I love it now. I love it. Anyways. Yeah. Okay, anyway. your next great memory, great memory. Um. Okay, so I I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I was so pumped up for our 1991 episode because that was going to be the one that like you know I knew all of these songs, like it was all this high school stuff. But then a couple years before that, it was the '89 episode mm-hmm. that was the one that just sort of blew me away. And I I, I mentioned this up top with we ended up doing uh, uh, the dance by Garth Brooks as kind of the country song. And then had me, myself, and I. But like I said, I love – if I was going to take my, maybe my favorite song of all time after having done this whole thing is Free Fallen by Tom Petty. And Fight the Power would be in my top five or ten. And again, putting those back to back, talking about how just like – you know that that era that where I was sort of growing up listening to all these things – I just love putting those two songs back to back then with all these other really, really fun songs like express yourself by Madonna pump up the jam. Uh, I don't know. I just, there was something about that whole episode that I really, really liked. Yeah. By the way, uh, apologies to Chris Melanfi, who I love, but we had the better version of express yourself, the more popular version. <laughs> at least at we first. talked about it. Yes. And then he yelled at us because it wasn't the right one, but it was the right one. We had the right one. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Me, myself and I was on their wicked game, personal Jesus. God, what a song, uh, head like a hole. Are you kidding me? Uh, back to life. Like really great. Right. Rhythm nation, man. The 89 is like great. Uh, absolutely. I'm with you on that. Um, the worst songs of the eighties episode that we did with Libby Cudmore, uh, was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I especially loved when we went back and forth about center yeah. field and how much you, you think it's absurd, the lyrics of it. And yet I think it's like totally fine. Like who gives a crap? It's a song about baseball. Uh, uh, clap your hands. It's great. It's but fine. it's like a song about baseball by somebody who's never actually seen a baseball game. Who, who, it's now like, now crap? that we know about it, it's like AI has written a song about baseball. No, I love that whole episode. And I hope I put this in mind. I think I, I, it was funny. It's like, we sort of went back and forth and we like came up with that idea and I was so excited. And then I was really, really like nervous about it. And I kind of didn't want to do it because I didn't want to be too mean. And like, you know, we, we talked about the Yacht Rock thing earlier and like what of their you know i love the fact that they were sort of be able to be like they were mean about stuff and that was yeah. part of the thing i think our thing we, we are much more positive about most things yeah and uh but like i really feel like you know again patting ourselves on the back i feel like we struck the right tone with that one where we had a lot of fun with it like there was yeah. no sort of like punching down there was no sort of like you know, it was much much more sort of like I mean, again, I love Billy Ocean. 
talking about get out of my dreams, get into my car, and the ridiculousness of like <laughs> basically writing a kidnapping song. But it's and a it's jam, like, Chris. Right? It's a and jam. it's like, but it is, I think, exactly. But and then like talking about like center field, oh, where nice. it's like I love CCR, I love John Fogarty, and that's like again, I I think. I've listened to that episode probably more than any other episode just because I will occasionally play it for people. Uh, I think we hit the right tone with that one where it was like everybody was just having fun and nobody was being overly mean. No, 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 no. And, I, and even when Libby like gets her teeth out, like it's, it's, it's fun. For sure. <laughs> uh, I love you, Libby. Love you. I uh, haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, please, please get in touch. Um, give me another one. What do you get? What else you got? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think you have these on your list. My one of my favorite moments was me trying to understand what was going on with window liquor. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's great. I mean, like I said, like I said, it was a, it was it's a record that it, it it's the first of its kind that really sort of takes apart everything that pop music is about and sort of separates all the trash and puts it into a collage mm. and says, "Here, here you go," uh, and and it's for that reason influential but also the blogs picked up on it and pitchfork and all that crap and whatever and i think you need those songs once in a while like if anything to kind of ground ourselves in the fact that yes we need to pay attention to what the you know the critics you know we know music more than anybody else like what they're saying and and and, you know put that in there and see what happens and i think window liquor like is part of that for sure um just like we had I don't know what from the seventies, like what song from the seventies is like ahead of its time. And we, we put it in there and we thought, well, I think like, I I, I don't know, Marky moon by television and things like that. It's like, that's one that kind of like like, jumps out a little bit or even like love hangover where it's like, we talked about house music anthem from 86 or whatever it was, you know, like, like those things. There was definitely like, you know, part of me that would have loved to have people be like, Oh, wow. These guys are so smart. They like, you know, Marky, like Marky moon, we've got to vote for that. But you know, that wasn't really the way that like when you're, you, you're casting a vote that it's ever going to work. And it actually makes sense. Yeah. And uh, what's the Wilco song? I mean, impossible Germany, which yeah. is like well, the their most popular song. <laughs> most pop- well, the most popular Wilco song. Actually, the the number one song in there uh, yeah, on Spotify is Jesus, etc. Okay. We did the other one from that album. Well, Impossible Germany hung out for what? Two two ballots? It did get a, yeah, it, got, it, got, it definitely got a second ballot. Yeah. Anything else to mention before we go? We've gone on for a long time. We have. We still have yet to settle the best 
you know, the best song of the best band of all time. So we'll, uh, you know, what is the live best to fight song? another day. What is the best song ever? What uh, Of the 129 that we have put out there, if you were to say, like, this is the best one of, of all of them, what is it? I do have an answer to that song, answer to that question. I'll let is you guess. Cra- what do you think it is? I don't think it's crazy. No. Um, boy, if it's you, I would say. Can I say there's actually sort of two answers to that question? But there's, yeah. Oh, man, you're going to um, go with everybody wants to rule the world, right? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not going to say that. No, really. That's what I would have picked for you. Well, I I don't know. I I really don't know. I don't know. Um. I think there's two answers that number one is, are you going to say, are you going to say free fallen? So I think that's like, I think for me, the number one, the best song of all time is the boys are back in town. Okay. (laughs) It's the best song of all time. And that's it. No. And I think the other, the alternative one, if I was going to sort of be slightly more serious, it would be a change that's going to come by Sam. Yeah. That, 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 that was on my head. Yeah. But it's also like, uh, I don't know. It's not as good as the boys are back in town. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, so God only knows is up there for me. Everybody wants to rule the world is up there for me for sure. I'm only looking at the ones that got in by the way, when I'm, yeah, no, so am I, so am I, so am I. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. Boys are back in town would narrowly beat out free fallen for me. I mean, trying to see if there's like anything modern that might get close you know what weirdly enough crazy Gnarls Barkley I think that gets there that gets pretty close that's probably not a popular choice but I'm plenty of martinis in so you know that's what it is that's a good uh... baby one more time you get what you give. I mean, if that, you're gonna yeah. say the if you're gonna say the boys are back in town, I have to say that you get you get what you give. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Those are sort of you know peas in a pod. But as yeah. a Gen Xer, I mean, Free Fallen is kind of the anthem of my generation. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the when we when we voted for the XPN best songs of all time, I don't remember the order that I put them in, but Free Fallen, my generation. Change is going to come. Everybody wants to rule the world. Uh, we're all like in my top five. Okay. And I've sort of like, I still think my generation, which did not get in, is, you know, one of those like sort of early, like just like the ultimate in rock songs and is so great. I, you know, I mean, Change is going to come is like, it's sort of in some ways for better and for worse beyond like a rock song, right. Where it's like, it is, but it is, it has sort of a life of its own. Yeah. yeah. But it's also not like you just sort of, you know, kick back and pour yourself a beer and listen to change is going to come. Like it's definitely has like sort of a lot more to it. Whereas like to me, free fallen and uh, the boys are back in town are the two songs that it's like, you like, you know, if you want to write a rock song, that's kind of what you're aspiring to do. Yeah. And we didn't even nominate Werewolves of London. <laughs> I mean, 
You think that would have gotten in if we nominated it? No. No, it might have been close, but that would have been there. Yeah. Again, I'm baffled by good times. That one is just like I, I, I kind of understand. Uh, like to me, it's like good times and when doves cry are the ones that are the two most surprising. And when doves cry, I think you can chalk up almost entirely to a tight ballot plus other Prince songs. When good uh, good times not making it in, I don't understand. Only because like I do think like there are a bunch of like that's that's really the only song to me that's like a no-brainer that the listeners didn't put in yeah other than that there's stuff around the edges that you're kind of like yeah i thought that might have done better but like that's not even you know comfortably numb was from that same year and got in london calling i mean yeah the clash is a weird band for these purposes they're a lot like rem i think where they're kind of like they have deep cuts that are really good but still you like so may I could have understood I would have expected I think I probably said this is I would have expected London Calling and Good Times to get in from that episode. Yeah, I mean Rock With You did better than it. Uh Easy by the Commodores, which is Veterans Committee, did better than it. Just what I needed by the cars. I mean, yeah, number of songs that like don't hold a candle to good times, let's be honest. When did we do Easy? What year was that? That was uh seventy seven, I believe it was easy. But it was part of the Veterans Committee that was uh, before the 79 episode. Okay, so that's one. Did I drop that in at the very last minute, right? I mean, Because I think we did. Uh, what's that? Didn't your mom pick that one? I think so, yeah. yeah. I think I dropped that over Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up To Be Cowboys or Three Little Birds. One of those two. Yeah, Three Little Birds. Because Mamas, Mamas got in to the, to the nominee list. Hmm. And Easy, Easy stood there for a, a couple turns and then, and then got digging out. Oh, I yeah. do love that song. It's a great song. Lionel Richie needs a little more uh, respect. Wow, Lionel's great. Lionel's great. Lionel's great. Yeah. Um, so I will say this. Like, my one that was like, I think if you were to draw the line, like, the bottom, like, if you were to rank them from one all the way, like, one of my favorite songs of all time is Cult of Personality. Sure. I would put that down near sort of that, like, ultimate sort of dividing line. Okay. Uh, I think you were right on the Franz Ferdinand thing. I think that's kind of like right there, kind of where where it should be. Take me home, cut your roads. See, I I think you're again. <laughs> we we could debate this. Like, I actually think Take Me Home, Country Road should be much higher. I do think mm-hmm. it is one of those that it's like it, it it's sort of what goes with the American Pie, but we didn't do a lot of those like sing-along songs like we didn't nominate anything like you know sweet caroline or anything like that yeah the things that are just pure sort of like you know belt out in an irish bar and i actually think sweet child or uh i think take me home country roads is a better is a really good example of that but one that's actually like a pretty good song plus one that kind of epitomizes that so setting aside the west virginia thing i actually think it's kind of a worthy uh a worthy song to get in Slightly, like I would put it in the bottom third, probably, but not as low as what you would. Okay, I would sure. Okay, I think it's all relative there. Yeah. In that bottom. So third. Uh, one more thing, I, I actually Weird was place. gonna put this on my list. The biggest surprise that I think we that I had with your reaction was that you weren't as big of a fan of Louis Louis. Like Louis Louis to me was like an absolute no brainer. Should be on the list. Probably should have gotten in. I mean, it, it just felt a little like. I, like if it came out in 1961 or 62, absolutely. 
But what is it? 65, 66? 63. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Well. It's like it was the same time as like blowing in the wind and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it was past the, it was like after green onions and after some of the other stuff, but it was like, to me, like Louie Louie was, I I guess I get what you're saying. It's like, if that would have been like his fifties kick down the door song, it might've been a little bit different, but yeah, I think it gets a little, I think it's a little too like people overdo it a little too much. People, people kind of over overstate its importance a little too much. That's me. That's me. That's where, that's where I'm at. Um, so did did we do well? Did we do okay? Did did we did we do this experiment correctly? I think so. Uh, the way I like to look at it, and this goes back to what you were saying at the top, is like I mean, like we sort of took all those like best of lists and kind of flattened them. Mm-hmm. Where, like what you said, the '60s led the led the way, but not by all that much. And it's just really cool to me to have like Toxic by Britney Spears uh, in that same sort of like, you know, lumped together with Comfortably Numb, you know, just throwing out weird examples. But like, it's cool. Yeah, and I, I think mean, that's right. I think that's the way it should be. And, you know, I, I again, I don't think necessarily anything is right in the way where it's like there are a lot of really good songs. You know, it's just like you look through that could have been in and that didn't quite get in and all that stuff. And that's fine. It's like, I listen to any argument for anybody who says that, you know, family affair by Sly and the family stone should be in uh, war by Edwin Starr. You know, it's just like, there's a lot of great songs, but it does kind of feel like it sort of flattened the thing where, like I said, there's yeah. these, these like no brainers. And then I think the songs that got in that were kind of around the fringes were ones that people really like to go listen to. And that's yeah, what yeah. probably the right answer should be. You know, it's like, like is fade into you by Mazzy star, a better song than, you know, marquee moon by television. I don't know, but I yeah, also kind of don't care. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, it's I mean, cool that Mazzy star got that, you know, got a song that's in just looking at some of those 60 songs that didn't get in eight miles high. Louie Louie, as you said, river deep mountain high. In My Life, Mr. Tamarine Man, A Whiter Shade of Pale, Ruby Tuesday, The Times There Are Changing, You've Lost That Love and Feeling, My Generation, as you said, um, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, you know, like, like really, really great. Like the songs that you would think they're on the you know, top 100, top 200 of all time kind of lists didn't make it here. And to your point, those didn't make it. However... Since You've Been Gone got there. Toxic got there. Lose Yourself got there. Take Me Out got there. Such Great Heights got there. So I think I think, I think think we, we you know, whoever listens to us going forward, you know, maybe like for them, we have sort of stated a new standard as far as what is great and what is not. Uh, to the greater consciousness, to the greater societal, you know, to the greater audience, whatever the hell it is. Who knows? But to at least some listeners, maybe we change our perception a little bit, and that's cool. Yeah. And the other only one last thing, and I, I actually had this conversation, is like, I do feel like it's like, you know, every year had like 12 songs. And yeah, like there were some around the edges that you could sort of fight with, but I don't feel like we left anything off the ballot that, you know, really could have, should have gotten in. I mean, we talked about the ones that were left off, like, you know, I mentioned American Pie and 
uh there's like things like that maybe but they were fringes right like it wasn't like like we were i do think we made a conscious effort to make sure that those ones that were like the biggest of the big were always going to be on the ballot yeah for sure for sure and then there was adidas by corn and uh windfall by sunvolt and windfall by go. sunvolt there you which go. i voted for and so did my buddies so good for good for it you just kept it out of the one vote club there you go nobody else voted for a sun in an empty room <laughs> well damn it <laughs> clearly who? nobody from uh what province is that alberta <laughs> listens to our podcast no. We're the number three podcast in the UK, but we're like four thousand in uh, Alberta. Yeah. We got, we got, we got to get those numbers up, <laughs> boy, oh boy. You've got mail. Stock Music Media for some terrific theme songs throughout the decades. Uh, thank you to uh, Aaron Delashman, my buddy, who I saw last week, actually, uh, for the guitar pick plaques for at least our early years and our logo work and things like that. Uh, thank you to all the listeners. Everybody who's listened and everybody who's yeah. voted is great. Uh, you know, I met a, a listener in person at a fish show, which was really cool. I should have put that on my best podcast moment. So that was pretty cool. There, there's two of you, okay? <laughs> Thank you to TCBcast. Thank you to... Uh, man, okay, here we AU. go. AU. Thank you to Andrew Underberger. Thank you to... Um, uh, who else? Who else? Chris Malamphy. Libby, of course. Libby Cudmore. Thank you to uh, Kevin Goldstein for coming on one time. <laughs> he's now... He can't say anything about he it because he's now employed now. with the Cubs, but still... Yeah, thank you to we did an interview with Michelangelo Matos, and then my audio was screwed up. And we never published it, uh, so I'm sorry, Michelangelo. But great book, great book, by the way. I mean, that's good for. Um, thank you to who else? Chris and Curtis for coming on the podcast. 
Thank you to your thank you to Meg. Thank you to Meg for coming on the podcast. Uh, who else did we have on the podcast? Anybody else? I think that hits all of our special guests. Hopefully. If not, I'm sorry. I, I really feel bad if we didn't have you, uh, if I didn't mention you. Um, but thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to everybody who has been a part of this. You know, we are just two guys talking into microphones and we put together this ridiculous concept. Somehow saw it out over three years. Uh, kept lists. I still have to update the website. I still have to update some. I'm going to put all <laughs> the nominees in a playlist, by the way. I, I'm like currently oh in the. That's a no, long playlist. Well, so it, most of it is taking your nominee like like playlist from like when we were doing the shows mm, yeah. and like transferring it over. But after 1980, 79, like they, they go away. So I have to like find them again. Oh, Spotify started yeah, deleting yeah, those after so, I didn't listen for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to like go back and whatever. But I'm going to try to get every nominee in one big playlist. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, but thank you for listening. Thank you for contributing. Thank you for um, just being a part and for spreading the word and for giving this stupid, ridiculous, crazy concept a chance and for listening and for appreciating it. I really appreciate it. As someone who doesn't see through all of his projects all the time, I was able to see through this one and I appreciate that. So um, thanks everybody. And if this keeps going on throughout history, then fantastic. And maybe we'll become an NPR story in like, 15 years who knows <laughs> um that's it um i think the best song is actually dancing on my own by robin that was the last one that got in yeah that's a bold take i think that's it <laughs> i thought you were gonna say dancing in the streets which i would have uh that's a great one too and that's and actually i was gonna good... call it for the you know when the for the cornell version 5877 that's pretty epic. Mm, Although yeah. I kind of like their late sixties, early seventies covers of it too. Well, it's a good juxtaposition. <laughs> Whatever. It's a good juxtaposition between dancing in the street and dancing on my own. There you go. So. There you um, go. Uh, the grateful I, dead I, covered one of the two. Definitely not the second one. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for spending these last three years with me doing this. Uh, no, I'm, I'm well, serious. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's no, been, well, it's thank you. This has been a, a blast and, uh, it is not the end of, uh, it is not the end of it all. Probably not. It is not the end of it all. There will, there will be more to come for sure. Um, all right. Although stay tuned and we'll see how the election goes. And never mind. <laughs> then it'll be the end of it all. Yes, that's right. No. Thank you, everybody. Good night. No, <laughs> prove me wrong. <laughs> Too late. And sometimes he forgets a chorus because she's shining like a beauty on the silver screen.